I uh, I just noticed that people spend a lot more money during holiday weeks because it's boredom. When you're bored, what are your what are your options when you're bored? TV, stream something. You don't write. You don't read much. You don't go back to working on that book that I can't wait to no. check out a couple no, chapters. No, I haven't, haven't messed around with the book in a while. Actually, I I just start digging through my horse racing stuff. Huh. I read a lot. <clears throat> I write a lot. And I used to spend money. I used to hate myself for it. For spending money? Yeah. There's just certain things I want to fully be a minimalist with. And I think spending money on items that aren't giving me anything back is one of those. Like blind spending. Give me an example of a blind spend. Food. Oh, I gotcha. Like unnecessary food. Food that sits in your refrigerator and you end up throwing it out in a couple weeks anyways. You're like, why did I buy those carrots? I never eat carrots. I juice them. But I don't necessarily like, oh, I really could go for a full whole carrot right now. Not a whole one, but I like the minis or whatever. With a little oh, the ranch baby, dip. Yeah, yeah. The, the baby carrots. That's fair. A little ranch dip on there. Popcorn. Nice. Eh, popcorn, popcorn just sits in, in the pantry. Not a fan of popcorn. Well, awesome. <laughs> I'm just getting going. I'm getting warmed up. Are you? Yeah. Are you getting warmed up? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm chilling. I'm trying to see what an episode of Morgan 70% talk rate versus Sasha 30% looks like. I don't know, probably boring. Nah. Interesting. Super interesting. We could talk about so many things. We could talk about the fact that Sasha was right about how gold came to this planet. Oh my gosh. And how was that again? Meteorites. None of the gold was here to start with. It had to be in the very early stages before there's a crust. Why? Because all the gold gets pushed up through the volcanoes. Yeah, but couldn't that be from like deep asteroid impacts that have permeated like a level of our our crust? But then, then it would be, then all the gold would be in one area, right? Multiple asteroids. Let me change it on on the fly here. You know. Here's why I like this theory. Because then it explains why the alien species that needed gold came here. They raced here. They said, oh, we got we to gotta do something about this place. They got a lot of gold. And they followed. They tracked the, the asteroids because they have asteroid tracking systems. And that's what brought them here is the bombardment of this planet by precious metals. Well, if that's the theory, right, then the asteroid belt must be full of rocks with gold. So why sure. come here? But because they don't have the technology to navigate they've an got asteroid the te- belt. They've got the te- yeah. No, it's do. not like Armageddon, you know. When yes, they do. <laughs> when they're flying, they're bobbing and weaving through asteroids. I don't think there's a technology that can zip around and uh, avoid that level of density if- of, of asteroids and flying rocks. Well, Okay, in the asteroid belt, the asteroid movement is somewhat predictable, right? Because of the uh, the gravity, gravity. and yeah. everything's spinning. So I guess so, but you'd have to have a hell of an advanced mathematical civilization to figure that out. And I bet you they have computers that do those calculations very quickly. And I bet maybe just like in Star Trek, you sort of have this 
shield essentially around you that <laughs> repels things. Yeah, it, it's always down to like forty <laughs> percent after a, after a battle. But one asteroid can knock that shield out pretty quick, though. I, one little rock. No, no, at that velocity up there. No, I don't think there's small stuff in the asteroid belt. Anyways, it's all relatively. Oh, please, it's littered with small stuff. I bet. Hmm. With big stuff, but I mean, I bet it's littered. Why can't we send something to get like cool pictures and video of the asteroid belt? I don't know. Maybe there's not a lot of cool stuff to take pictures of. I mean, people are more fascinated with Saturn or yeah. Jupiter or or the moons of Saturn. Yeah, but how much how much more enhancement do we need to those photographs that we've already seen? I had a big book as a kid called uh, Our Universe. It was like a National Geographic style book that was 200 pages hardcover. It showed me all the pictures of Saturn I needed to see like in a, <laughs> in a book format. I don't need to see an, a 4K picture. I mean, it's cool for a moment in time. It overrides mentally. I think it overrides my previous visual of what Saturn looked like. I'm starting to feel that with black holes. Have you had that sensation? No. No? So. When you visualize a black hole, try to describe what you what you're visualizing. If I say picture a black hole in your head, like what does it look like? Does it look like the 1980s, 1990s version of a black hole or the 2021 version? Which is like what it looked like in interstellar. I don't know that I've thought about what a black hole looks like for me. It's black and it's a hole. Well, it emits light now. Mm, only if from- it's eating Right, which it's always doing. Not always. Black holes aren't always eating. There's not always matter out there. Even if it's it's probably like a river, right? At times things flow very quickly, and at other times things flow slowly. That's fair. That's fair. The image I have of a black hole is yeah, at the center there's like this dark orb, but the bending of light makes it to where you can see the definition of where that that darkness is because the light bends around the black hole and so it is very interstellar sci-fi looking it's like this orb and then there's this fluid almost meandering um stream of light that contours the black hole it's a pretty thing anyways uh where i was going with that is that over time my visual, mental visual of what space and some objects in space look lo- look like have changed based on artist render artist renderings, um, even research. Well, I mean, Hubble has given us actual pictures, but like the, cool. the light, um, the black hole light thing that was recent that they spotted light from behind a black hole, wasn't it? That was like over the summer. Some, uh, well, I mean, over the summer, it happened probably <laughs> millions of years ago in space time. Would have had to have, yeah. But um, I think researchers were looking at some x-rays or something like that. I'm reading the live science article here. Uh, yeah, if you look at just light and black, black hole, you get some July articles about uh, echoes of light coming from the backside of the black hole. And then it creates this visual that is now stuck in my head. It looks like this. 
So it's almost like a planet itself, kind of like Saturn-y looking, I guess. But the rings are more of the light bending around that black orb. Right. So if that's what a black hole looks like, sign me up. <laughs> want to go see it. Yeah, I do. I want to take a tour. I want to go inside, um, scope the place out, go through the door, see what's on the other end. Yeah, all these things. I think space is fantastic. I'm just, yeah, I'm not always on board with the transparency or lack thereof that we get from the establishments in this country and around the world that are responsible for telling us more about space. But it's unfortunate because technology is kind of the only way to learn more about it. And I'm sure you have your amateur astronomers and all that. They can only do so much when it comes to like finding this stuff or exoplanets or Man, I don't know. Sort of stuff. I think I think amateur astronomers make a lot of discoveries. To me, it seems like it. You, you think they they make a lot of like exoplanet style, like deep space discoveries, because we're sending stuff out that costs billions of dollars. Like maybe the, not deep space, but stuff that's near space, definitely. Yeah, yeah like asteroids that are stuff that you can see in the night minute. sky. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Or at the very least, what they discover confirms maybe other findings. Maybe there's a thought that, you know, this happens and then you have an amateur astronomer that finds it and, and confirms it. I mean, that's one of those fields that's really interesting, right? Where like you have enough people that are just in, enough interested in it where uh, they can kind of contribute to that community. Yeah, a thousand bucks gets you a really decent telescope yeah. and if you know how to use it you can start looking at the night sky and spotting stuff that some of these automated systems can't necessarily catch on to all the time. Well, it's gotten way easier too like you know, when i was a kid or a young man i had you had to move the telescope around you know you had to try to find something you were looking for and, and yeah. manually move your scope now these Zoom things come with focus these things come with computer things that you just tell it where to go and it finds that part in the night sky yeah man uh it's kind of cool makes me kind of want to get one (laughs) but there's not a lot of you'd have to drive out of the city for sure to really get a a probably enjoy it some of them come with like uh, that'll see through the city lights a little bit it's interesting that we're mentioning this at all today because um i was reading an article from the flower mound gazette which is the local newspaper from where my my parents come out like once a month. It comes out like once a month. Yeah, it's uh, I'm sorry, it's the Cross Timbers Gazette, but it's the Flower Mound newspaper. Flower Mound's uh-huh. a tiny little town. But six days ago, uh, they put an article out suggesting that they are seeking to become a dark sky community, and what that means is that they've qualified over the course of the last twenty years as a place that is not heavily polluted by light. So there's not a lot of light pollution from cities. There's well, it's not a, mostly residential there anyway. Yeah, it is mostly residential, but they, they qualify. So um, they've had a, an outdoor light ordinance since 2002 that has made it to where they can be recognized by the international dark sky community. And um, what that means is that you're supposed to have shown exceptional dedication to the preservation of the night sky through the implementation and enforcement of quality outdoor lighting ordinances. So you could get your telescope and drive out to Fire Mound, and hypothetically on paper, that's one of the better places in the DFW Metroplex to see the uh, night sky, at least according to, to that. 
<laughs> I find it very interesting that um, there's so much up there that awaits our discovery. And I can't help but to think that a lot of it is discovered by it coming to us through Things. through intelligent life forms that yeah. educate us. I don't know about that. We can't be responsible for, as the human species, we can't be responsible for figuring out all that's up there. <laughs> well. Because it's like, it works like cultures to me. The, get your bingo card ready. <laughs> the as above, so below aspect Check. of it. The way it works down here is you, um, you don't understand the Chinese culture by eating Chinese food for two or three weeks straight watching a couple of Chinese subtitled movies. You understand cultures by actually traveling to cities where the culture is dominant. True. But these days, if you enjoy the culture and you want to, you know, wear cultural garb, uh, then you're considered, um, what do they call that now? Um, um, cultural appropriation. So you start appropriating someone else's culture, and that's negative. You shouldn't do that. Stick to your own tribe. How much of that is legitimate if you don't really understand the culture and you're just doing it to garner um, you know, a sense of difference, like being different? I think, well, I think if you're truly exploring and being involved with other cultures and you find them interesting and it it's a piece of clothing or something you want that you're into. Why can't you be? Into oh yeah. It? That, that I agree. But why, why, why doing can't it you for like style purposes, maybe some well, people. Okay. So I'm wearing something for the style. Why, why does that so offensive? Because it, well, in my opinion, it, it kind of works like misinformation. It can be taken as disingenuous, especially if, Say you're approached by someone from that culture who sees you in that garb or that particular attire, and they. But that's very tribal, right? You're not part of my tribe. Don't wear my tribal stuff. Well, no, instinctively or, or intuitively, let's say someone's wearing a just a, a Canada shirt with a maple leaf on it. I see them wearing that. I approach them I'm like, "Hey, are you Canadian?" They're like, "No, I just just got the shirt at a thrift shop." It's somewhat. It's not insulting. But it cuts the conversation off right there. So I'm not saying a lot of people do that with, you know, like Scottish kilts or uh, other garbs from like the Middle East or Indian garbs or whatnot. But I don't know. There are a lot of bandwagoners in this country when it comes to other things. And we could be trending towards some people bandwagoning cultures and misappropriating it like you've suggested. but. Yeah, it's few and far between. Yeah, I don't I don't know that, that there's a I guess if you're making money off of it. What's America's culture? There shouldn't be any. Because it's such a melting it's pot. It's a melting pot. That's the culture. Hmm. Everybody from everywhere. But doesn't some order come out of all that chaos? Not necessarily. It hmm. becomes regionalized, right? Yeah. So what's In the, the South? The culture is the Confederate flag, sir. Still, it's their heritage, is it? I don't know. I don't see. No, I think bunch. it's terrible. Yeah, it, I don't see a whole bunch these days. Oh, you just got to get outside of the city, man. <clears throat> I've been trying to do more of that. 
I'm surprised you didn't see any in a trip to Oklahoma. Well, it was a holiday trip, so it was all the rich tourists that were going there. If I go there on, I don't know if rich tourists go to Oklahoma. Oh, this particular particular city is a a tourist attraction during holidays because of the lake and because of the surrounding. That's like a redneck type place. Like if the rich people, they go to Arkansas. I guess so. A little bit further, the Ozarks. Yeah. It was just a little too long of a drive, Morgan. Just a little too long of a drive. Maybe next year. (laughs) Maybe next year when my (laughs) revenue quadruples. Um, Yeah, you're going to need to hire somebody if that happens. Yeah. I'd like to, but I kind of like being a one-man operation at the same time. However, with the looming European trip coming up, I've been thinking about you know not taking a week off of business. I'll certainly be doing a little bit of business over there because there's certain things that I won't be able to find here, of course. But I would still want someone who could maintain things here, but maybe not this year. Maybe I just take, the, take the week sh- off. ships for you? Yeah, who just walks into the post office or can pick stuff out of a 5,000 inventory machine. And I don't know, it's all in my head and I still lose track sometimes. Um, so just to harken back real quick, wouldn't it be cool if we just started, if Earth became like America and like started becoming a melting pot of like all these various alien I civilizations? Is. I think it is. You think it is already? Yeah. I think, but were I, we I, supposed to like communicate with squids and ask them like where they came uh, from? And oh, you're talking about aliens. I'm talking about aliens. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the next thousand, in the next millennia, we've gotten. There could be. Do we have to get over our cultural differences first in order for that to even be? No. Something that's a possibility. No. You don't think it has to start here. You don't think we have to prove to um, the world up there that we're ready for that. You don't think it's like a civilization style upgrade on get your bingo card ready. The Kardashev scale on like a uh, not a respect level, but a. Like, okay, these guys on Earth haven't had a war in 50 to 75 years. There hasn't been a mass genocide in the last two centuries. The rednecks are still around and the Confederate flags are flying, but we'll just avoid those spots. You don't think we have to earn the uh, level of respect to warrant alien visits on a large well, scale? Don't you feel like if if aliens are going to immigrate here, and let's just use immigration. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Don't you feel like you're going to get refugees? <laughs> right? You're going to get people. Scallywags. Well, no, you're going to get people who don't have anywhere else to go. They need a place to stay. And you're going to welcome them in. Is hostile or blew or, up? Or maybe they're, they got attacked and their civilization doesn't exist and they got to find another place to live. Okay. Why can't we just keep it simple? Why does it go to like the interstellar warfare immediately with you well, American minds? No, that's not true. They, to think that somehow the ship's going to appear and then we're going to have this discussion and then people are going to come down from the ship to live here. That's not going to happen. Well, the people that discovered. Mm, no, never mind. I'm not going to say this because they the people on paper who discovered like the Western hemisphere. Columbia. Were they refugees? No, but they didn't settle here either. Mm, they they were the instigators to the settling. But they did not settle, right? They yeah. discover it. They say it's here. And then people go, hmm. Ah, so then we'd get scouts in advance of. 
Sure. We'd get rich elite scouts. Well, like with the North America, right? In Britain, it was all about freedom of religion. Oh, I want to, yeah. I can go over there and get land cheap and I can have my own religion. I'm there. Well, you crack the code. They're going to send their equivalents to their, to Columbus's. I mean, Australia, right? Was Britain offloading prisoners, Wait right? A Wait a second, Morgan. You're cracking the code in real time here. All right. Dangerous statement. <laughs> but what if they have their own style of doctrine of discovery? Some yeah, of these places. Which is exactly. Which could be very violent. Yes, but it could also be the opposite because they're a higher intelligence than we are. So they're not relegated to primitive sort of. And I don't. Uh, I would cavemen. not. Yeah, but, but I think equating space travel to intelligence is dangerous. Yes, but I'm not equating space travel. I'm equating. Um, Laying claim to discovery, like this planet being something that that they're interested in populating over time, or maybe even evolving over time, just like Columbus was interested in the discovery aspect to a certain degree, but he was being forced by uh, the church to go about it in very rudimentary and awful means. Like they're not all negative qualities about Christopher Columbus. I'm sure he had some inkling of like actually being impressed by seeing the land mass as he came over the Atlantic's horizon and saw what he saw. Well, you know, he never made it to mainland. Oh, that's North right. the West Indies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, even seeing that, <laughs> I guess. Um, so the, the alien civilizations up there, what if they are putting together their doctrine of discovery? Hmm. You think it, it just goes bad negative right away I think it's great <clears throat> even if it goes bad <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to go good for everything and everyone right so what if just the, imagine like and maybe this is how native people felt when Columbus showed up although they didn't fully understand that he's going back to this populated world going hey look what I discovered they're like dude We've been living here for, for thousands of years. You didn't discover anything. That would be us right now. Right. We, mm-hmm. We're telling the aliens, bro, you ain't discovered shit. We've been here. We've been here. But to them, it could be something completely right. different. It'll because be a their discovery. Pers- well, their yeah. perspective of this planet could be entirely different than ours, yeah. too. Gold, like we said, could power their weapons and technology over there. Um, and here, it's just something we put around our necks. Or Actually, we use it for space travel. Do we? Yes. Huh. I was going to say rappers just put it around their necks and, and put it on their well, index happens fingers. Too. How do we use it in space travel? Um, it's one of those metals, I think, that's like not, it doesn't degrade or get corrosive. So like a lot of the stuff the that you see with like uh, satellites and things like that oh. have gold in them. Like I'm pretty sure the record um, that was sent off in the, uh, which satellite did we send a record? Uh, it's the Voyager, isn't it? Yes, the Voyager. Th- those records are golden. Yes, it's because they don't. They'll, you know, it doesn't degrade. It, it's unless it flies in a black hole, right? Unless something crushes it. Chuck Berry. They said a Chuck Berry record. Like aliens would give a shit about Chuck Berry. Come on, just think about that. We sent that in 1977, man. Yeah, we're due for an update. 1977, and we sent. Let's throw some Cardi B in there. Um. <laughs> 
That's crazy, right? What, yeah. That's and we can't do anything like that now. Well, now we're I guess we're we're sending radio signals. Well, there was some symbols, right? That are you know, this is this goes back to my favorite TV show, Ancient Aliens. Mm-hmm. There were there's uh, some symbolism on that record uh, that ended up being a crop circle. Oh, which is pretty fascinating. On the record itself. Mm-hmm. So it was like a secret message yes. from us designed. Yeah, it's like kind of like purpose. a design that does some like mathematics, basically in a way kind of through symbolism kind of shows you a little bit about who we are and what we know. I see. Kind of speaking their language. And so we're trying to. Right. Well, trying to speak like a, 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 if someone has a knowledge of mathematics, we're assuming, of course, all mathematics work the same universally, um, which seems like they do, uh, at least from our perspective, right? That if somebody can interpret that, then they would know where our planet was located. Uh, the people that are on the planet. And so like, you know, that became a crop circle and they, and you know, there's people who think that that was aliens that put that crop circle there. Huh? Like saying, Hey, got your message. Interesting. Well, I'm all for it. I like the idea of them watching over us. I don't know about watching over. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. People don't seem to have a problem with it on this planet. They don't have a problem with the government watching their every move. They don't have a problem with tech companies. Well, they they do. You just got to watch them without them knowing. And as long as they don't know. <laughs> so you're telling me at this point, nine out of ten people still don't know that their phones are listening to everything. That uh, They're not conscious that, oh, come of on. that. Oh, come on. There was an algorithm enhancement. If they were, I don't think they would. Actually, they're just doing what, what humans do, right? They rationalize that they're okay with that because they really want to be on Facebook or they really want to be on Twitter or they really want that cell phone just to play those games. Yeah. Because they rationalized. Okay. I'm okay. If the government, it's because their brain is tricking them into saying that they're getting something out of. Right. And then they start to think I'm not, you know, I'm not being watched every day. Um, isn't there a clinical term for that? (laughs) Denial. Yeah, but a lot of people are in denial. denial. A lot yeah. of people are in denial every day. There was a new uh, algorithm enhancement that I picked up on this past week, and again, this could be pure coincidence. It would have to be pretty extreme. I was driving back home from the trip, and there were a sequence of about two or three songs that I remember poign- poignantly typing into YouTube because I hadn't heard them in a while. So I typed them into my phone. Like, I want to hear this song, I want to hear this song, and then I want to hear this song. And then within about six hours, I'm on my Instagram social media feed, and I'm seeing, uh, I saw two advertisements, one for clothing, one for, I want to say like electronic devices, and two of the three songs that I had uh, typed into my YouTube earlier were background music for the advertisements themselves. So, and one of them the one that struck me, it's because it was like an emo love song. <laughs> and I'm like, these women are knitting sweaters sweaters on their couch and trying to sell me like some seasonal sweaters. And this very sad emo love song is playing in the background. Something doesn't jive. <laughs> so immediately, I'm like, holy cow. They're using my YouTube playlist to integrate songs that they think like I really like or that uh, I sought out specifically 
and they're working them into advertisements so as to maybe attach some sort of recent connection with the music and like i don't know my likelihood of pressing the button because it's a song that i like a little bit more it was very calculated and interesting but it was sloppy at the same time because i like doesn't make sense why is why is this it's it's like a really sad song <laughs> and these chicks are on a couch knitting sweaters laughing with their their faces it was somewhat creepy too at the same time so anyways that's my algorithm um pickup of the week the other song actually fit uh what they were trying to sell and you know what i'm confirming this i'm stamping and sealing the fact that this is happening because i go into a lot of uh secondhand stores and they run on playlists too and the playlists that they play in secondhand stores are very interesting they're all secretively telling you to spend more money sure they are the songs that they choose well not only the songs but probably even down to the beats per per minute yes i mean i, I mean bars have been doing this for a, quite a while now where they know that uh well especially dance clubs they'll get a certain beats per minute to get people on the dance floor. Because one thing leads then to another. Change the beats per minute down to get people to go to the bar and get drinks. Yeah, it's all it's all science now, bro. Nothing natural to it. Hmm. It's there to generate money. I mean, sure, you're going to have a good time, maybe, but so <laughs> so then social media is just catching up to all that and able to do it a lot quicker well, because of the algorithm. They just do it faster because they yeah. get probably more data points, right? Yeah, that's fascinating. And scary at the same time because to go back to how this little bit of conversation started you don't think 90 percent of people are onto this that this is happening well, i think if they sat down and thought about it they would they're they say yeah and if you talk to them about it they go yeah but i mean in their everyday life of just doing stuff they're they have blinders on to it do they really have blinders or is it the other extreme because this is the part that really worries me the other extreme of this and i know i've experienced it personally in my 20s is that you think you're some part of like a truman show style thing i think you're the only one who likes the truman show style thing i don't think anybody no, I, else goes through it oh i like well think about what it does to a narcissistic vanity driven ego if if your algorithm, let's just say you're a social media influencer, let's just say you're vanity driven and a million subscribers and likes is, is what gets you through your day. If you don't know, well, if you're a social media influencer, you would kind of, but let's just say you have a decent backing online and you're oblivious to the fact that your algorithm is completely calculated and, and suited customly for you but you experience it you must think that the world revolves around you and that leads to emotional reactions and it elicits dangerous neurological things that can interfere with a lot of stuff apparently like uh that's going on in the world because you think the world revolves around you the whole time. 
So anything that happens outside of your bubble of, uh, of life is sort of uh, second place, second fiddle, or, or even further down the line. That can be really difficult to break, too. That's a tough psychology to break. Because if you try to break it, then you're telling someone the world doesn't revolve around you. And people who think that kind of do anything to hold on to it. So I guess what I'm saying is because of this algorithm-driven second life experience, we are creating a human being that is drifting further and further from reality by the second. Because the world doesn't revolve around the makeup social media influencer who just has everything fed to them directly. It's it's hard to like paint a perfect picture of what I'm trying to say here. But shit, there's friends on Facebook who have done nothing but really post their crappy pictures on a day-to-day basis. And... I kind of just want to reach through the computer and tell them, like, stop. I'm tired of seeing your pictures. But in their mind, there must be something telling them that someone isn't tired of seeing their pictures. Well, and that's because someone isn't tired of seeing their pictures. Hmm. I mean, I've seen, you know, well, there's a lot of people who are just very happy-go-lucky, very positive, right? Uh Um, There are a lot of people that if they like you and they're your friend, it doesn't matter what you post online. They they like it. They're not critical of it. Blindly. Absolutely. And if you say something incorrect, they just ignore it. Or agree with you. Or agree with you, which is dangerous. And so you probably have this cyclical effect right of people it's called an echo chamber right doing that to each other i don't know about echo um feels to me like it goes around and round versus out and back oh i see okay um you know like Hmm. there's a circle of them then as you know the positivity goes one person to one person well that's a good thing if it's genuine is positivity good it's interesting right um yes it is but but what it, i mean i guess what i'm saying is like i'll see somebody say uh good job and then somebody go yay great job and then another person yay congratulations great job. and congratulations sure. okay and then the next person who did less hey great job yeah congratulations or Everybody's going, hey here you go yeah mm-hmm. is that really good Interesting. I mean, for, for me, it's middle ground. It's for me, it's, um, you know, what likes and emojis have become is like a happy button, a a shortcut. Um, and I think some people feel pressure that they have to do that. Right. Like if they see something, they have to react to it with a smiley face or a, or, I used to or, feel this way about like, birthdays. Yeah, a friend's know, birthdays. But but I think in in the long run, if I don't know how positive, I mean, at a certain point, the good jobs are they run their course. Um, more infuriating than they are. Um, than they boost you up, right? I would agree. Well, in 
And but I've been I've been I've been congratulating you every year. I see your work anniversary on LinkedIn pop up just to troll you. It's like more congratulate Morgan on 27 years of working. <laughs> I'm like, I sure will. Because <laughs> I know he's ecstatic about it. And I'll send you an AI generated response because LinkedIn does that. It's just like a thumbs up. Good job. <laughs> I know it's it. You're right. I mean, it uh, it. But what's the alternative online? It's hard to, it's hard to visualize an alternative. You can't, you can't just press well, a button and say, if, "Connect me to this person so I can if, zoom um, them." Okay, I guess the psychology of like, if one person says "good job" or "congratulations," like why does everybody else have to say it? Yeah, is there some sort of competition there going on? You know. In the subconscious mind or unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, what's up, James? (laughs) You figure that one out? They're the same thing. (laughs) I had this talk with a guy I was playing ping pong with at the bar because he smoked cigarettes. And I was like, you know, that's affecting uh, your ping pong play. He's like, no way, because uh, smoking is a a conscious thing. I'm like, that's exactly why it's affecting you because ping pong. Because he was pretty good too. Ping pong is unconscious when you're playing in the flow of things. And so if you have a conscious interference affecting an unconscious sort of um, muscle memory mental thing, um, it can interfere. It'd be like um, playing a game of chess and there's a siren going off in in the back of your uh, house or, or down the street and it's nonstop. It can interfere. It can, it can get in the way of some of your, your flow. So anyways, I'll, anyway, that's my little unconscious bit of the day. <laughs> but, um, now back to the interesting points you were bringing up about online. Um, what's the word here? It's not gratification. It's, uh, I guess it's gratification you know, on even, one end, even in person, like, um, man, when, when something, tragic happens <laughs> let's say uh a, you know you have someone close to you that passes away Yeah, you got four options here my condolences sorry to hear that i'll pray for you like everybody feels like they need to say something right mm-hmm. but sometimes when you're on the receiving end of that you feel like punching the next person in the face that says something to you why is that? Is that because you'd like to grieve on your own and you don't really, you, you have an understanding of how to grieve and you don't need them? I, maybe I don't have any understanding of how to grieve. I just know that I don't want to be talked to. Don't, don't tell me. Interesting. <laughs> this or that. Like it's, it's something that, but, it, but then on the flip side, if somebody I know, then I'll say those dumb things that sure. get said. Those cliches. And and that drives that that part of communication drives me a little bit insane. Well, then you need to adopt Sasha's model for how he goes about doing these things. And this is going to shock you. You're not that different. Oh, I hate this to, is going to shock you. I hate to tell you. I don't tell anyone my personal business online. Nothing, nothing major that happens in my life <laughs> is disclosed online to these people that are going to subject. Unless it's a chick. Nothing. Nothing involving a, uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Nothing involving, continue. Nothing involving the intimate moments in my life, whether good, bad, or, um, sensitive 
has been disclosed online because I, I adopt the, um, well, I adopt the mantra have to of, be. well, sometimes it's friends, people that know you that aren't necessarily online. Yeah. But then you're typically doing that in person. Yeah. But it's still the same type of communication. Okay. L- let me rephrase. I'm not good at, I don't know that I'm not good at this. I just don't do it. If a family member passes away, I don't tell anyone. Because I, I leapfrog all the reasons why you don't like it. And I'm like, well, why would I tell Morgan that my grandfather he never met passed away? Unless it interferes okay. in us doing a show in that, or something like that. Well, like if, if you're wondering where I was for a week and a half, then I would tell you. But if it's int- yeah, that's interesting. It's like um, it'd almost be like in that situation, right? It's you like know? why inf- it's it's information not that you don't need to know, but that doesn't impact you one way or another as far as our relationship yeah, is concerned, right? That yeah, you're right. That doesn't. But I'm right online, there with you on that. but it, but people who love to share. If you things. have more immediate thing, more immediate family, right? Oh, absolutely. That you've that, met, that, that changed, you've become part right? of. Yeah, changes. Sure. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, for whatever reason, when I would look at Twitter every now and then, I would somehow get ta- get these stupid feeds like you might be interested in this, and it would be like <laughs> some lady going, oh my God, my grandson's in the hospital. I don't know what to do. Blah, 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 blah. How about you go to the freaking hospital where your grandson is? Yeah. How, about you, of how about you stop chatting it up lamenting online. and to get likes and retweets online? Yeah. What the hell are you doing? People's responses to tragedies are quite different online now, uh, or they've, they've changed. They've uh, morphed completely because of the online presence. Now, the way we handle death, uh, whether it's celebrities or <laughs> or major events, it's it's head scratching. It's mind numbing to a certain degree. I got into a couple arguments online this week <laughs> regarding nine eleven because oh here we go because stupid truther. Well, no, there was a USA Today article that I responded to immediately that was suggesting it, it was um, questioning how we educate people who were too young to experience 9-11 on the tragedies that took place that day. My response was, why, why do we want to do that? Why do we want to educate people on 9-11 in a linear fashion versus the style of education that we sort of want this to trend towards which well, is where people learn it on their own or learn it from family members or friends or people that they're in direct contact okay. with people they're in direct contact with i sort of agree with you but if we're talking about public school for example i think you have to set the stage you have to set the narrative why how does 9-11 affect public school today um well it doesn't but if little johnny goes home and goes down the youtube hole of um, conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory that might affect him as why he would develops. he go there first why why wouldn't he because type in 911 t- into YouTube first well don't you think that those some of the, the that 911 stuff uh you know conspiracy stuff's going to be some of the first search options no we talked don't about think so no YouTube curbs this now they do now yeah 10 years ago perhaps it's a different story but now if you type in 
just 9-11 into YouTube, you get the commemorative sort of uh, look back at what happened on that day stuff. You have to add a couple of key words, which if a 12-year-old is saying, is going to YouTube saying 9-11 tower number five bombs, then good for him. (laughs) I want to meet that kid. Uh, But he's not going to be doing that. He's going to be doing it based on wanting to gather information is what I would endeavor to think. So I, I guess my problem was with the establishment thinking, and this is USA Today, contemplating a strategy to educate a generation on what took place that day. It's very simple. Well, you don't want to know what I said in response. Why don't I want to know what you said in response? Because it's simple. Would I make you apologize? No, because no. nothing I said uh, warrants an apology. It's just not very... Uh, it wasn't very politically correct. Trying to find it. So my response to the USA Today article, which is talking about educating people who were born after 1996 on what took place that day. My immediate response was, why would we want Gen Z to inherit the hand-me-down stress slash PTSD that that day has clearly impressed upon older adults today? Because um, man, I don't know about older adults. Because people your age are far more affected than older adults. Well, I can't relate to that. I'll, we'll get back to that in a second. Okay. Then my follow-up was: Here's how we should educate them. Keep it very simple, and we don't want the negativity sustained. Cut the toxicity off at the head of the snake. We can educate baselines and leave political narratives out of it. Homegrown terrorists gave America a three-month heads up and crash planes into economic symbols. The end. Like, that's the reality of it. At the core, the other stuff happened. The other stuff was terrible. The deaths were terrible. The visuals were terrible. But the narratives that the media ran with, the war that ensued, a lot of it is hyperbolic. Keep it, keep it simple for the generations. And if they want to get extreme with it, then they'll do it on their own. But if you keep it simple and streamlined and down the middle, because those things are true. Bin Laden was a CIA operative. He what? Operative? He was groomed to be an operative. And no, this is this goes back to the 80s when they were fighting the Russians and our we had senators, right? What, what's the recent, or there was a recent movie that was specifically about this, where we were giving them mm. guns and money. I don't know that Lord was, of War. No, no, that's a good one though. Um, somebody Kelly's War or something, right? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> I'm not good with movie names, but um, I'm terrible with them. Recent ones, at least. Oh, yeah, it's not. I think that's uh, even a Tom Hanks movie. Um, oh, but but it? it's sort of about that point in time where we're helping them fight the Russians that are in Afghanistan. And then, you know, policy sort of changes and we just leave them hanging. Um, we leave leave them out hanging out to dry. We, we stop helping them. We, and even at that point in time, I think you have people going, look, this is going to come back and hurt us. And of course it did. They went from accepting our support to turning right around and hating us. Uh, for putting them in those positions, right? Yeah. And, and so... But the whole time, Bin Laden's a drug runner for both sides. Or, I'm sorry, a gun runner for both sides. I don't even... what For He's what shaking, side? 
Well, how? <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're manufacturing guns in Afghanistan. Right. That's why he was in unison, working in unison with us to hey, get them there. Well, he was already there. He was in. He yeah, was but he was handshaking with folks here. No, no direct handshaking. All this is taking place under the radar. I mean, you were there, so I, <laughs> I have to take your word for it. Like this is, it's not being overtly done, right? Like there's no legislation that's saying, Hey, we're going to give these guys money. Cause you don't want the Russians to know you're the one you're actually out there backing them, right. even though it's known, but you can't say that it's known. And so I, I don't know that he was actually an actual operative, but he was definitely what you might've called. Well, we would never know that. If we knew that, then the whole lid's off on everything. Why? Okay, why would the CIA need him as an operative? He was the perfect operative. He's an asset, he's, but he's not an operative. At that time, he's man, only an, he's, he's only an asset in, in putting a thorn in Russia's side. That's the only The enemy of your enemy yeah. is your friend. I mean, that old mantra. I mean, yeah. at the time, gosh, I couldn't think... I could probably think of maybe two or three guys you'd want more than him as far as what was going on on your side. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say, but like the guy was interconnected. Well, I mean, he came from a family that had a lot of money. Yes. And we had tabs on him to know what the sort of influence he had too. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a guy that, spearheaded al-qaeda in a lot of decision making well he wasn't he wasn't i remember the deck of cards thing he was the he was an ace wasn't he or something like that i don't remember the deck of cards the fucking deck of cards like we came up with this wrestling like um analogy i wonder what those would be worth (laughs) today the actual cards yes. themselves? Like, is that a traitor's? Is that, is that a, <laughs> a traitor's village thing? <laughs> I bet you you find a couple of copies. Oh, man. I, I bet you that's a big time collectible. Holy cow. Actually, like an unopened Hoyle deck of Al Qaeda cards. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. We're laughing, we're laughing about this. I know, but it is funny because of my business and uh, the fact that I could probably. I'd be interested. Yeah. It's a piece of history. Yeah. You're not going to find it at Spencer's, though. No. Not yet. Oh, anyways. I've thought about, like, CIA's really, and the NSA for that matter, nobody's off limits for them to approach. Like, even if a guy's a terrorist and a known terrorist. I think things have changed 100%, right? Yeah. The Cold War, I think, is really what drove a lot of the the messing with other governments, right? Yes. The, the creating of enemies really comes from the cold war. It comes from fighting communism in small countries, you know, cause you don't want a communist government there because it's going to be friendly to Russia and, you know, and so you can think about Cuba, you can think about, you know, any of those other places where uh, Vietnam essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know that it happens in the same way today. It doesn't have to happen in the same way that it does today. Uh, like today, it's probably way more online. It's probably may, w- way less person to person. Oh, I agree. Um, you mean it's probably the whole, the whole start thing. to finish. Yeah. And, and it's, while well, there's still some of that battling 
what Russia's doing. Sure. Um, or even what China's trying to do. I, I don't know that there's as much focus on that. Um, I could be wrong. Because the people still, well, the people making decisions, and I'm speaking hypothetically here, the people making decisions at these agencies, at least in America, they're tenured. They're 50-plus-year-olds in most cases. They're not necessarily, I mean, sure, they have a slew of young folks around them telling them, uh, educating them along the way. But a 50-year-old didn't, didn't grow up during the Red Scare. A 50-year-old is hitting the 80s, and they're more influenced with the the, the fall of communism mm -hmm. yeah. versus that whole fight the opposition. I suppose that's true. <clears throat> the Red Scare. Can't, can't be communist. <laughs> What's so wrong about communism? It might work well for a small company, but I think ultimately it's restrictive of freedom. Well, I mean, direct communism doesn't allow religion. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Why not? I mean, I mean if you're going to worship something, you worship the government. The government? But then, I mean, yeah. that's kind of <laughs> the way it works today. It's kind of hand in hand huh. government's kind of I'll just look at the decisions our governments are making here locally in the state they're sort of playing the role of decision maker for a lot of things well well, yeah but it, see like in a, in a communist country this couldn't be um, confronted you couldn't Veto. You can't uh, take this to a higher court and get it knocked down. Mm. You can't. That's the word. Uh, you know, if you go to Tiananmen Square and and protest, you get run over by tanks. I mean, that's the difference. At least you know with the our quote unquote free society. Yeah. Uh, you can go protest our moronic governor, but it, I mean, everybody should really see this for what it is, and it's the kickoff of of the gubernatorial campaign for, for next for 2022 this is how do i get attention and stir people up but what I kind of but what kind of people yeah it's it's wrestling um but what kind of people are on board with like some of the things that he's saying uh every church person every every person of religious every, how do you get totally, through how do you wake those people up i don't think you ever do i think they see it as one way and we're talking about abortion here. Yeah, uh, but do you? Know. But do you have to go? But there is a way to shake them out of complacency. Like it's getting at the core of what moves them, right? And what ultimately is shaping their decision making. And that's their view of God well, at the end of the day. Well, maybe. And what drives me most crazy is like we get we have these things right where it's just like we don't like a certain behavior, so we want to make it against the law. Mm -hmm. That drives me insane. If you don't, you, you can't change behavior with a law. No, but you, you can change behavior by. Well, you change by behavior by becoming influential with, or eroding at inconsistencies and eroding at at false. Well, concepts. True. Well, yes. It, well, like with something like this, I don't know that you have quote unquote false concepts. The false cons because there's. When you're talking about moral things, I don't know if there's black or white, okay. true, true or false, right? I don't think it's quite that that easy 
uh, of a differentiator. But if you want to influence, you can't influence everybody. So you should influence as many as you can. And then you just, like, you know, have outreach like you would uh, for drug addicts. Um, yeah. Help them get, give them alternatives, help them with the alternatives. And then no matter what choice they make, be there to support them. And because either way, they're going to need support. Whether they decide to give the child up for adoption or to go through with the abortion, that right. person is going to need some support after the fact. I don't know the details of this right now, but do, uh, do women who give their child up for adoption get any financial compensation? No. But the adoption agencies certainly do. I don't know if that's a for-profit business. I think that's... Where does the money go then? Because it costs people who adopt money. Sure, but that person who's working the adoption, though, has to earn a salary, right? Yeah. And whoever's doing all... And they're going to have to have lawyers and CEOs and blah, blah, blah. So my my guess would be most of those are not uh, for-profit things. It's It's more of a... You know, you're taking enough money in to pay all the bills. It costs between twenty-five to forty thousand dollars in Texas to uh, have a, a private child. adoption. Yeah, that's that seems way excessive, right? You know, that's a private adoption. You'd, you'd which be, I women, guess means a woman would be better off be, becoming a surrogate because surrogates can make like fifty or sixty grand in a year to carry someone else's baby. Yeah. Anytime I teeter on having this conversation i always feel like it would be irrespect irrespective of me to start if without like a female presence <laughs> because it's inter- like it's very interesting ultimately i feel that it is the the woman's choice absolutely a hundred percent of the time yeah that and- doesn't mean that the woman shouldn't be completely psychologically assessed to determine whether or not. See, I don't know if you go that, I don't, I don't know if you do that. I mean, I think, well, what if, what if her only issue, what if she is, let's just hypothetical here. She's 20 years old and it's not a, an act of sexual violence or anything like that. And she just gets pregnant by the wrong guy. And she thinks about things like, presenting this um, or, or uh, financial hardships that are going to incur over the next couple of years. Let's just say she's a money-minded person at age 19 or 20. Odds are you probably are going to be. Well, at that age, you're in college, right? So yeah. if you have a child, you're probably having to drop out. So your your ability to earn more income is immediately impacted. Correct. What if it's just the money that makes that decision for you? Does see here's for should me, it still be in the for me the reason yeah. doesn't matter. Okay. Um, if we start to analyze reasons, it, it, it seems it like you're muddled. it feels like you're attacking the victim. It does, but that's not what I'm trying to do. It's just the argument that I hear whenever I I see both sides of of this coin. And I'm trying to see them both respectfully. It's tough. But on one side, I see it's the woman's body. It's her choice. Yeah, I agree. But what if her body has nothing to do with her decision? What if it's it's a selfish decision, which it could be? That's fine. Okay. 
I can I can tolerate that. But I mean, all you I think what you'd all you'd want to do is provide them the opportunity yes. to speak with someone quote neutral, someone who's there to answer questions for you. Yeah, uh, and then see what you're interested in, and then and if your you're options. interested in, in options, yeah. and someone who's not trying to sell them on something, but presenting them with choices they have, letting them know, you know, there are different choices for you. And, and I, I, I don't think that specifically happens. And, yeah. And, and that's uh, what I was going to say. That's the conundrum now is that it is black or white. There's no, there's no gray area unless you are um, conscious enough as the, the uh, pregnant woman to realize that there is a gray area where you can seek out options and alternatives, but we respond to extremes in, in this world more than ever. And so the 20 year old in college who gets pregnant instantly goes to, do I have this baby and do I deal with the ramifications or do I get an abortion? Those are the two options. And the political spectrum leeches onto that. And out of that, the tribal narratives and the tribal opinions emerge from it, and the gray area is completely obfuscated. And I agree with you. The gray area is where the magic in something like this can really happen, and you can get the best of both worlds. <laughs> like, literally, for the mom and for the family that needs um, or that is seeking adoption or um, other alternatives that are probably haven't even been thought about yet. But with government involved, they don't care about the gray area necessarily, unless they've got their hands. And well, we can get to this with the marijuana talk later on too, because <laughs> it's all it's all linked. Not abortions and marijuana, even though. Well, they, I think all the government's responsibility <clears throat> at this point should be setting boundaries for which abortion clinics and and people uh, work within. Yeah, you know, they shouldn't be threatening to sue Uber um, for taking people to abortion clinics. Right. Which is what our state's government is doing. Well, and they lifted every all the protection for the abortion clinics, too. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can have frivolous lawsuit after frivolous lawsuit. What is it about the um, pro-life mentality, which, I mean, baseline, pro-life is fantastic. I mean— just analyzing the verbiage you know, itself. Pro-life is cool. You know, in the 80s, right? Pro-life extremists were terrorists. They bombed and killed yeah. people at abortion clinics. They, they were did. terrorists. Yes. But the, the concept of what pro-life stands for, I mean, the core I, okay, of it just so, means... Uh, let me say this. There's not a person on this planet that's not pro-life. Pro-life right. might be the dumbest thing to ever be used to describe it. It's anything. been hijacked. Do you really into, think that the people who go into an abortion clinic are, are, like are not to the world? Right. They're not pro-life. Right. No, it's, it's Come their on. subjective uh, experience of life that ultimately leads them to that decision for a variety of be, reasons. Yeah, it could be, I mean, it, it, it could be a sexual crime. It could be, could just be circumstances. I mean, here's the yeah. crazy thing, right? You can at 21, 18, whatever, you can say, I don't ever want to have kids, but there's not a doctor that will, that will, you know, pull out your reproductive organs. There's not one that'll do it unless you have some medical issue where getting pregnant might kill you. There's not one. So they force you to go on to birth control yeah. until 
what you're 50 or whenever menopause hit and then they go ahead and take out your your ovaries well i mean there's the old adage that death is one of the biggest money makers this planet has ever seen because there's there are no just, poor funeral directors right but whoops oh what are we doing over there we got an ad oh, oh wait gosh. a second gynecological hey, cancer here, here's the ad that here's here's the ad that plays randomly all right if nobody believes us that that the feds are listening all right that's enough that's interesting yep so uh gynecology cancer advertisement just popped because up on my laptop <laughs> oh, yay, yay. see this is the kind of stuff that doesn't bother me anymore it's just more annoying um god i did lose my train of thought though oh what was i saying it was it was going somewhere <laughs> like always like always. Uh, yeah, like always. Right. It's always going somewhere. Hold on. Let me rewind time. Yeah, my my personal synchronicities are beyond eerie at this point. You said this a couple of episodes ago. I know because I listen to every second. <laughs> uh, you said uh, everything evolves. And I applied that to my experience of synchronicities. And so let me tell you. <laughs> it's evolving. Holy shit. Yes. But right, back okay. to death. before we were interrupted by the uh, gynecological cancer research ad, um, we were talking about how much profit death makes in this country. And it's quite a bit, probably in the billions, if not trillions of dollars, or not just this country, the whole planet, of course, because I mean, you got to do something with all the dead bodies. But um, what's forgotten about is that uh, life is probably. A million times the moneymaker in every facet. Like yes. the the seventy year lifespan and what entities and uh, establishments get out of that person's pocket throughout that lifespan. I don't know. Uh, I would venture to say is in the millions of dollars per individual at a minimum. Um, yeah, there's stuff like, hey, if you'd been saving ten bucks a day for the last twenty years, you'd. Right. You'd have 800 grand in the bank, but we spend it all on these things. So you said something um, about, oh, I can't remember in real time, but you, you said something that sparked me. I'm like, oh, that's just, that's just people who want money um, out of this. I can't remember what exactly it was, but the whole pro-life stance and the hijacking of that phrase yeah, we are all pro-life on this planet. If you're not, psychological evaluation is probably necessary and you should be put on a list. But the hijacking of it done by governments or done by political um, arguments and whatnot, it's all, in my opinion, because we need more workers. We need more people. We need... Peons. So people in the government that are pro-life want more workers? People in the government who are pro-life put economical thing consistency is, and growth thing above is, everything. The only reason the government's even remotely interested in this is votes. They don't care about anything else except the votes. You say votes, I, but... Think the government of, in this is neutral. You got as many pro-life as you do pro-choice. But think outside right? of the box with the vote statement even. They need future votes too. 
They're looking at 10, yeah, 20, we're, we're 30 talking, years down the road. I mean, I can probably look this up fairly quickly, but I don't think there's that many abortions that happen in a year to really severely impact anything. I mean, we're probably talking about less than a million abortions in a year in the entire country. In in this state, there's probably, I don't probably less than a hundred thousand in a year. And you're talking about, you know, a state that's got, I don't know what our population is, a state is now, but we're probably in the 50 million, I would imagine, um, as far as population goes. And we're worried about the 50, 70,000 abortions that happen that's somehow going to impact us. It does economically. Yeah, but that's such a small percentage of potential births. And by that same standard, then, uh, any child that dies after being born, uh, that's, 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 that's an economic impact. But that's even lower so than abortions. I, boy, I don't know. You think so? I don't you think know. children that die on a yearly basis is higher than uh, children under the age of uh, 10, we'll say. I, if you're going to 10, I guarantee you more children between zero and 10 die in a year than, than there are. Abortions I can't even find the, the uh, number of abortions in a year. Okay. So in 2018, it was according to gut mocker Institute data, 862,000 in 2018. Okay. So less than a million, less than a million. And then we'll do uh, child deaths in 2018. God, this is grim. Yeah. <laughs> Um, percent of children oh no that's mortality god it doesn't give me a total well I mean that's great news if that's the case yeah child um, deaths age 1 to 4 was 3700 and child Deaths age 5 to 14 is 5,500. This was in 2019. According to the National Vital Statistics System mortality data, deaths per 100,000 population of children is 13. So that's pretty good. So, I mean, well, there's, it's starkly so, different. According to the WHO? Yeah, according, this is according to the CDC. Yeah. There's 29 deaths per 1,000 live births. So... That's, um, yeah, that's, it was 4 million in 2018, 4 million infant deaths in the United States in 2018. Really? Compared to 800,000 abortions. Well, here's the difference. Um, there's still a lot of money in the birth process. (laughs) Sure there is. Even if, but, but I don't think this is money driven. This is this okay. is just completely moral. That's fair. To yeah, have be. the child, to not have the child. There's not enough economic impact from 800,000 people. What if population decline is on your list of issues, though? Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into population decline than birth. Well, abortion. But it's a contributing factor, it plays a role. Very minimal. If it can be tackled politically. It's so minimal, it's not even worth mentioning. It's really? like less than 1%. Hmm. I mean, our birth rate's going to naturally go down as, as, oh. our, as, our, as 
our lifespans increase our birth you know rate why rate. i told you in uh in group chat this week why it's because intimate sexual relationships are on the decline that that tr- that's true too. in this country yeah yeah i so wish we had trans let's segue no, I to wish, sex talk now. i wish we had yeah from god this is <laughs> gonna be death to sex. <laughs> this is gonna be uh an interesting title now i wish we had someone who mentioned intimacy here not too long ago as a catalyst because it's been on my mind ever since we didn't get into that conversation we were cut off short we had to make an emergency escape from the hotel meeting room that we had to vacate by a certain time. Maybe intimacy's just changed with technology. But everything evolves. It doesn't have to evolve in a upward direction, in a in a good direction, because it, then it's regressing. So you think intimacy's regressive because of technology? Well, I don't, I'm I'm not ready to call it regressive or I don't know. Maybe it's just changed. It does. A change doesn't have to be negative. It's just not what it was. But if the change leads to a negative when it comes to something like bringing life into this world, then it's hard to, yeah. Okay. I don't, it can go either way. Right. Like I have one, one child. Am I okay with not having another child for the rest of my life? Oh, man. You should be. You're, you're getting old, bro. You're getting, getting <laughs> well, it's different. Up. It's different for me. I'm 37 and uh, old. No, nah, I'm I'm not old in the the child producing elements of oh, things. Sure you are. I'm not. Uh, you are. You can really? say I'm not, but you are. Most people at at age 38 have a kid that's 15. Huh? fascinating but maybe that was just one side of the friends have kids that are your age oh yeah they have older kids for sure i don't know that's a that's just timing could be i mean most people have kids in their 20s and not in their 30s what i was gonna say although it's getting later and later i'm okay with not having another child but i would like another child so, like, it hasn't kicked on that I won't meet or uh, re-meet someone that, it, what? Nothing. Nothing. I'm just, <laughs> it hasn't turned, um, like, I'm open, but I have a list of secret requirements for that. Now that I've had a child, now that I know the entire process. Of what goes into it and what comes out, which I am happy with the results, but continue the level of intimacy will have to be pretty high up there for me to say, hey, let's spend two or three months trying to have a kid. It's not going to be, you know, I, it's not going to be an accident. I, knock I, on wood. I might suggest that. A couple, quote unquote, trying to have a baby is not, they're not. Not the way to do it. It's not intimate. Yeah, that's fair too. But you can, you can have a one night sit down and say, hey, look, we're kind of doing it a lot. Yeah, yeah, but in the back of your mind, you know that the whole object of this is to make a baby. Then it might get in a way of actually making. So you think that it works 
like uh, science, like observing the actual end outcome can interfere with the with the desired outcome. If you just like have the conscious yes. knowledge, I agree with you. Yes, I do. I think that some of the, I think more often than not, a lot of the inceptions of children happen on passionate evening evenings <laughs> between yes. one person and another sure. versus that like strategic um timing thing yeah planning yes things out yeah but int- intimacy can also be involved in both of those scenarios like just can be but I, I just would say that if you both had set out to say we're gonna make a kid uh that that immediately takes away from the intimacy yeah i mean you can still have the candlelight dinner or the uh you know rose petals on the bed or whatever you want to do to to add to the romanticism but it still may not be as intimate as it would be maybe if you just i don't know looked at each other from across the room at some random moment and the next thing you know you're in the kitchen yes but that then on the dining room table <laughs> but then the, in the shower you know what i'm saying sure absolutely and you you spoken like someone who's been in that experience that has no kids but that's interesting <laughs> back to population decline uh yeah we're in trouble if it comes down to the fact that passion is a main producer of uh pregnancy well and when you say intimacy spontaneous passion and spontaneous intimacy that grows into something more a connection between two people it's the physical touch right Mm -hmm. that's that's i mean they're that's how you have intimate moments and so if you're meeting someone and you're not face to face i don't know Ooh. I don't have any experience in this. I mean, I've been with Nor the same woman for 30 years. So I don't either. <clears throat> I've been with several women for <laughs> the last 30 years. <laughs> Remember, several means five. <laughs> several means five. It doesn't mean... Could mean three. 23. No, few means three. Oh. A few. Got a few movies. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, The intimacy conversation lets me know how... Little I may understand the word up up to this point in my life. And that's a good thing because I think I have a good grasp of it. But if there's this whole world of intimacy awaiting me, that's even more intense than what I think I have it figured out as. And I welcome it. I do think that I would like to live in a, let me rephrase. I, I would like to live in a world where intimacy is the driver of something like child rearing and child production. Yeah, but if that, it could, just, if it chemically that's just, that's what if we could so against nature. Na- nature's not but nature doesn't care nature about change it, but nature intimacy. may just, change. What what drives you is just procreation. I got to procreate. That's what drives you. But we don't have it's to the, anymore. It's this the intimacy that sustains the the one-on-one relationships, I think, versus the hit it and quit it relationships. Yes, that's the point we're at now in the society. But some of these things are because of the way that our DNA has been coded. 
Our DNA has not been coded for intimacy. I don't. I don't. I don't know how much of it would be. Right, but what I'm suggesting is that our DNA has been coded for reproduction and procreation and yeah. sustaining life. But that's that's been for millions of years. Yeah. Now we're at seven billion, eight billion people. Now we get into the talk of epigenetics, where we might be expressing different genes. Where we take a look around and we're like, I don't really have a need to procreate. Exactly. Yes, but that doesn't turn the intimacy switch off. No. So if your intimacy switch is still on, in fact, but you don't have a need to procreate. In fact, for for a lot of well, for me and Kelly, and maybe I'm not speaking for her totally, but the intimacy is less about sex and just more about being with each time. other. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, after 30 years, that's well, what even, most people are going to say. Well, even in the early days. Fair. Fair. I wish I could say that. I want to be able to say that. I mean... That's I, a wholesome thing to say from you. And I, I want to say that I've said it to people, but then <laughs> I contradict myself completely via actions. And I'm like, I, I feel like establishing sexual compatibility early on is important with someone that you can see yourself with for a long period of time. Well, that's, that's interesting. I would, I would be more worried about the connection between the individual versus the. Oh yeah. Sexual compatibility. Let me rephrase. First and foremost is the connection, but once that's there, the connections there, the sex will follow. Yes. But then when the the sex follows, you want to establish like, this is what you're going to be receiving for X amount of years. So, Prepare yourself, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like, you you want to make it... Yeah, that, that sounds boring. <laughs> but if it's... But if it's exciting, then it's not boring. So I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything here. What I'm saying is that at this point in my life, at my age, I have to be able to showcase that I can still do things fervently. Whether it's passion driven and think, connection, okay. but or that, whether but, it's physical, that's more of a macho ego thing. You think so, but it it's is. not. Why do you think it's not? Because the woman's biological makeup is maybe still driven in that direction. Where I don't think they care about that as much as men do. I, I think the intimate connection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, erodes away at all that stuff. Really. I hope so. I mean, sure, they won't performance, but I mean, right. I think the connection is, at least for a long-term relationship, I think the connection's far more important than the performance. But biologically and unconsciously even, something inside of them says he has to be this height. He need, Our genes have to mix in this way because they're... But, but what's wrong with them wanting the optimal a, outcome as far sta- as a child's concerned? Well, she's a, oh, you're talking about genetics? Like, yes. I want somebody who's athletic and blah, blah, blah. And they well, don't not have a history of this and they don't have a history of that. Not and, necessarily athletic. Well, if she's really worried about that, she doesn't want a man. She wants a sperm bank. Because no man can provide to a woman what a sperm bank can. <laughs> That's partially true, but 
then when you incorporate the other half of what you're suggesting, which I'm on board with you as well, women do want intimacy. They don't get that from the sperm bank. No. So if they want the total package, the man is still the optimal choice until robots can do it all, which that'll be sometime. Never. <laughs> Never. Well, if we become cyborg and we will live forever and we don't have to reproduce. No, I'm I'm on board with you. I think that good women out there who are in it for all the right reasons that we would hope for as good men are in it for the total package. But the total package does include genetic yes results. And, uh, yes and no. Just think about all the people you know. Mm-hmm. And they all find mates and they all procreate. That's not true. They don't all procreate. Well, they don't all have kids, but they all have sex. They all make connections. They all uh, move along. You don't have um, the guy who's five foot two, 250 pounds, unable to meet a woman or marry a woman or have kids. That doesn't exist. He's not ideal. I know, but. How do we know that in the that woman's mind, who's his mate, she's like, man, deep down, as terrible things say. But how do we know that she doesn't contemplate like every day whether or not she wants to have children with this man and that she with this guy and that she's not like somewhat relieved that they haven't yet? Like we don't know. That's a different level of intimacy. That doesn't mean she's not into him. That doesn't mean that she doesn't like the guy. But adding, having children with the guy, and I'm not even saying this on a conscious level, I'm saying unconsciously, the, doesn't the, the woman's, one sperm makes it to the Hague. So if it works its way up, uh, as buff so, <laughs> so below, the ideal situation for a woman is finding the right mate to reproduce with. Well, at a very basic level. But I mean, I, I don't know that. Um... Perhaps. Maybe I've been swayed in this direction by external circumstances or people's opinions on this more than I should be. I'm not talking about like producing a perfect child. I'm talking about complimenting perfectly or as close to good as you can based on your selection of someone you're intimate with. Sometimes you can't control that. I get it. Well, I I don't, I don't think that we'd really do that at all, but we should. Um, I don't, I mean, they don't even make you get a blood test anymore before you get married, but this is chemistry, right? But I mean, there was a reason for the blood test. There's a reason for To check genetics because it's to make you know, sure sometimes, you're not sleeping with your third cousin. Well, it's well, sometimes both of you may have a certain <laughs> gene and your kid may be one in four Might chance of being this. born blind or sure. something weird like that. We don't go through the testing before we get pregnant. Right. It happens after we get pregnant. I really don't think any of that. I, I mean, I, I think at a level, maybe like what f- women find attractive, um, you know, essentially is sort of that thing, right? Even for us, when we see a woman, we're looking at somebody who's going to be fertile, right? We think we're looking at the fertility of the woman uh, that we're potentially choosing as a mate, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know, for me, long hair seems fertile. Yeah. Right? Any hair for me. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. 
wide birthing hips, you know, things wide. Hips, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But, but I, I think, you know, at an, at a very basic level, yeah, there's some of that, but I, I think the, it, it's, it's the connecting with that person that oh, sure. makes that just, it doesn't matter at that point then. Yes. But beyond that lies this untapped into potential, in my opinion, where it's like, think of all of the things that you don't possess. And if you see them in someone else, then we're probably going to get divorced. Interesting. Opposites attract, but briefly. Well, that's all it takes for sure. <laughs> to be reduced. That brief moment in time. But, I, okay. I'm not talking about necessarily skin pigmentation you, here. I'm you, talking about you, the intangibles, you the are personality putting, you differences. You put way more thought into this than anyone I've ever known. I'm not putting thought into it. I'm saying this is just how just it's Just based on what out. you're saying, you put way too much thought. Fascinating. These way are things, too much thought. But these are things that are instant things for me and it doesn't cut me off from like being interested in a 300 pound woman with uh pale skin and um green hair like if she clicked with me i'd still be interested in her but i would still be like okay if this intensifies and we grow into a an intimate relationship and this intimacy grows and grows you'd make her lose weight no but I'd be like, what is my kid gonna going to potentially So you couldn't come? have her as a mate so that's not sabotage the no the relationship. Oh my god, you're so terrible. People are gonna think I'm I'm terrible after this episode. I'm editing this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode We better leave this in. No, I'm gonna edit the whole thing. All you're gonna hear is uh yeah, so uh aliens uh <laughs> really like gold. Uh, this was meandering episode seventy seven. See you guys next week. That's yeah. going to be the whole episode. Um, no, I'll leave all this in. But I am not explaining myself well. Um, <laughs> I, I I really do. I think there's I, way too much conscious thought that is occurring for you. There's not. It, it, there's not a single just thought listening in to my you, head. Just listening to you talk, there's tons. There's a million thoughts here. No, it's just the way I am. It's overly complicated. Maybe. But that's based on complex things, maybe requiring complex thought. And in my opinion, deciding on being intimate with someone to the level of reproduction needs to be thought out a little bit more clearly compared to the way that it's gone in the last million years and the even short term what what did we say on a previous episode we went from like three billion to seven million seven billion in the last x amount of years what do we call the uh society what, what do we call them on a weekly basis we call them idiocracy we call them a blob we call them all the these mob, yeah. all these things this these are the results of perhaps lack of intimate connectivity in child birthing when we talk about the baby boomer general, okay, so you think so you think every baby boomer had an intimate connection with uh, the people they decided to spit out rabbit babies with? I don't think it had anything to do with intimacy, right? For that generation, I would argue that generation's been more intimate than any other before. The baby boomers, absolutely. Why? 
Well, their divorce rates far less than ours. Well, that doesn't mean very much. Uh, actually, I think yeah, I think a lot of being married for a long time means there's a level of intimacy there. If there's no int- intimacy, you're not hanging around each other. That's not true either, because a lot of people, like Miguel has suggested several times, just grit and bear it because of the standards and because of the even the embarrassment that they feel it would cause them to, or the the money aspect, the financial aspect. There's an intimidation level, whether it's on the man side or the woman side. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a baby boomer or Gen Z. But younger millennial. people are willing to kind of cut through all of it much quicker. No, we, they're we not. Might, we might be embarrassed and or um, or reluctant to inform our family that we're getting a divorce, but we do it. Meanwhile, the 50 to 60-year-old who's established 30 years of marriage, it's a little tougher for them to say, uh, yeah, I've kind of been, you know, secretly wanting to do this for 25 years, but I thought things would change. You said it yourself. Uh, things move quicker now in relationships or, um, we get to certain points in relationships at a quicker rate. They have less patience. Well, they have less how does that not desire. tie in directly into divorce? Yeah. If, if we have less patience to deal with someone who we forecast isn't going to change in 10, 20, 30 years, then why not get get done with it sooner rather than later instead of being a 60-year-old who's not too happy? Well, it's interesting to say because in the beginning, you go through the same things everybody before you has ever gone through. In, in, if this is true, right? If, yep. hey, we're, we're advanced, we're evolved, we notice things aren't going to work out, so we just tell people, well, if you're so freaking advanced and evolved, why don't you know on the first, second, or third date that this isn't going to work out six months from now? That's I mean, a, that's, that's evolution. A, that's a stickier conversation. That's evolution that's right a, there. You're right. It's I mean, a stickier conversation. You know, there's, a, there's a reason that, you know. What if you do, Morgan? Look, by the, what if you do and you, you want to you know, defy your own negative I would, assumption? I would argue I was ahead of the curve when I, free, when I met Kelly. When I was dating girls in high school, I was ahead of the curve. Yeah, because I would tell them right from the beginning, you're just some chick I'm dating, right? Mm-hmm. My friends are my friends, my family's my family. Don't make me choose. When you do, you're going to be last. Yeah, yeah, you've got this all right. <laughs> you, right. But got, but I mean, I was doctrine. that. I, I was that way, and then when things, I, I mean, I'll lay, you'd lay it out. But you did that with Kelly too. Yes. So you didn't change your formula with the woman that you've been with for the last thirty years. No, I didn't. Right. But that's what probably led us to get through a lot of different things. Is setting up the was, expectations. But that's because she was willing to cut through your bullshit. Not necessarily. You're the one who had this. You think this my spiel. thing was a was that that was you bullshit? had a spiel. You wouldn't want a woman to tell you, "Look, this is what bugs me. Don't do it. This is what does." You wouldn't want her to set it out and, and lay boundaries out, like, "Hey, don't ask me about this. I'm not going to talk about it." You'd rather just. What? I'd rather organically confront the things that she didn't want to talk about. I wouldn't. Well, what what kind of boundaries were you setting with women in high school, anyways? Well, you know, simple stuff. I wanted to hang with my boys. I wanted to hang with my boys. Okay, I I get it. But when you're 45 and you're married, it's still the same way. If I want to go hang with my boys, (laughs) I'm going to go hang with my boys. Sure. Don't tell me I can't. Of course. But I'm not waiting till the 10th or 15th year to get mad at my wife because. She wouldn't let me go hang out with my friends. Right. 
that, that there are circumstances and situations that are like that. Yes. I mean, I was, I think both of us were very upfront about, you know, crap that annoyed the piss out of us, which is good, but it has to be mutual. I don't, I don't care. If she tells me anything. I'll figure it out eventually, but she's going to oh, hear from me. That gets you in trouble. I'd, it may have it, but I'm right over the head. <laughs> Didn't bother me one bit if it got me in trouble over the years. How do we get on relationship I talk? Uh, didn't you want to talk I'm about millennial sex? Yeah, I'm over related. Yeah, let's get back to that. Good old days. Millennials, <laughs> um, no one position missionary. Yeah, it's boring. It's. <laughs> I don't know. It's boring. Uh, this is this is why I told you in group chat that I feel, and you said every man does this, and you're probably right. I'm I'm more interested in younger women. I think I think there's definitely I want a 10 year win gap. See for me I mean there was a there was a mathematical thing. It was like divide your age by <laughs> blah 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 or whatever. <laughs> awesome. But, you know when you 10 years when you're when the, you're 30 and she's 20, it's almost like that's such a gap, right? Yeah. When you're 40 and she's 30, it's not as big a deal. Yeah. Right. And when you're 50 and she's 40, it's it's really not not a big. Well, that's why I'm saying I want at 38 <clears throat> in two months. Ten. But, eight, I'll say seven but, to ten. But even even with a couple of years between Kelly and I, there's some there's some odd generational things that huh. we don't click on. Is that and generation I, or is it upbringing? Well, I mean, we we're only two years apart. We're seeing things at really. I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing at 10, she's seeing at eight, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, we're, we're pretty close, right? So you wouldn't think there'd be that much difference, but there was and is, uh, with several things. It's, it's interesting. It's not a negative. It's just really super interesting. So I don't know what the 10 year gap would be like. Like, I, I'm, in, I'm interested because. I'm There's a lot for them to learn. I'm interested in the two-year gap. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm interested in the ten-year gap. But there's so. See, I'm I'm into information gathering. I'm into data. I'm into. So you don't have to date them to gather the information. <laughs> That's terrible. You don't. You're right, but you just talk to them. No, because talking to someone works differently for me. It there's a bar of intimacy. In order for me to get into the stuff I really want to talk about. Otherwise, it's just small talk. And I can do that with a store clerk. I can do that with a USPS postal worker. I can do that with random stranger women. (laughs) The people that I dedicate a little bit more time to, I am interested in developing not sexual relationships, but levels of intimate um, windows into not only who they are, but their perspective of life, their perspective of, of what it's like being a, wo- being a woman. Now, amplify that even more with the person that I'm romantically interested in because that just naturally happens for me. And that's why the 10-year gap is interesting because I think there's enough there to learn from one another to really build a foundation where you meet somewhere in a middle point and that person 
is aware that you've taught them a lot and you're aware that they've taught you a lot about a world you have no idea about because of the age difference and the gap in time from because the interesting thing is the 26, 27, 28 year old is experiencing things that you experienced. They're just doing it in a different time. So it's fun to hear the opposite sex's version of something that you've gone through already through their eyes. And those, I like to hear people that I love. I like to hear their views of life. And I like to hear about their experiences and things that they're passionate about. And with with the person that I want to be with so for what, all time. What's the difference from somebody your age? Going through the same things. So I literally have to you, sit. You Like I said, there's two years between me and Kelly. Yep. Making that assumption was 100% wrong. Incorrect. Yes. Hmm. So you're making that same assumption maybe, assuming that it has maybe to be somebody this is 10 sens- years. Maybe this is sensitive to when you met Kelly versus when I would meet someone my age in this era. Because now the information I can gather about this person to assess whether or not they've been through a run-of-the-mill life that I'm not really interested in is very quick. Yeah, that sounds boring. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't. No, no. Being around somebody 10 years younger in a sexual way sounds really boring. This has nothing to do with sexual. Uh, A little bit. Dating. Very boring. It's not. I've already been through it. Why do I have to relive it with them? It's not interesting. Especially, you know, there might be one or or two things might be interesting, but there's going to be 10 or 20 things that are really not interesting. But feel free to challenge my (laughs) thought process with that. I'm going to try to challenge all of these. Okay. Maybe five years. You you brought me down from ten to five. I'm willing to entertain five to ten I year mean, difference. Ten years isn't bad for where you're at now. No, I would just you know. But a a, a woman my age, where I'm at right now, lame, boring, boring. Well, at this point, you're not going to meet if she's one that single. Have kids. Yeah, if she's single at 38, boring. Wow, what a jerk! What a jerk! Why is that a jerk thing to say? It is. Unless she's been holding out for the one guy, well, it's not a jerk thing to say. You know, some women are kind of intimidating, right? And guys don't sense? necessarily approach them or they, you know, don't think she'd be interested in me, right? Um, sure. Uh, yes. So, you know, they're, are your assumption that they're boring if they're. <laughs> 38, man. Come on. Okay, maybe. Maybe that was a little edit worthy. Yeah. You might want to, you may want to edit that because I think you might know a couple of women who are single and 38 approaching those age ranges. Yeah. No, I don't. Okay. Maybe a couple. (laughs) (sighs) Like, um, there's a, what actress is it that uh, Charlize Theron is okay. one of those people? I'll reconsider. Yeah. Um, sure. That 
I guess has issues, you know, meeting people and, and she's intimidating. A little bit, yeah. She wasn't Hancock. <laughs> Why'd you pick that movie? Because that is my big crush. Really? Of hers. Yeah. Man, I Any I role. loved her in a thousand ways to die in the West. A million ways to die. Yeah, West. whatever. <laughs> that was a big difference. It's like nine hundred thousand ways in between. <laughs> No, I crushed on her hard in Hancock. Yeah. That's a perfect freaking role for her, too. But she's 46. See, I haven't talked about the older women yet. I just said 36 to 40. Nah. I'm interested. Because I kind of I kind of have those figured out. Now, older women? Eh. I don't know. She's 46. Charlie's there and she's 5'10. So, yeah, intimidating. I don't know. It's probably more of her beauty. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> we could just That's talk intimidating. about it. I could talk about Charlie's there for quite some time, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's the other one? Oh, Emily Blunt. Yeah, but she's married. Hadn't stopped me in the past. No, <laughs> again, that's another edit. It has. I've never, I've never broken up a marriage or a happy home. And, and even happy, you home, know, independent women, right? That maybe have a good job, uh, own a home all on their own, right? Yeah, uh, that can be maybe a little intimidating for guys. Guys like to think they're saviors, saviors in a way. Um, I've been waiting for this conversation to rear maybe its not ugly head. Saving, but they want to be. They want to be part of the process. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Th- no, they want to be part of the growth where they're lifting someone up versus what's necessarily meeting someone who's an equal and, and growing, growing together. Uh, okay. I agree with that last bit. Meeting someone who's an equal and growing together. However, meeting someone who's an, who you think is an equal and potentially growing together and then not growing can be very. When I say grow together. I mean, the relationship grows. I'm not. Yeah, but you have to give that time. You don't know going in that your relationship's going to grow. Period. Um, I, don't, I feel like you know pretty quickly. Really? Of course, my experience is 30 years ago. Right. It's but, it's, uh, it's very. I felt like I knew very quickly. No, I mean you're you're with, very fortunate with girls that I was dating. I knew. I don't know how many more dates I'll get. Dating nowadays is with my wife. It was like. Yeah, it's going to be for a very, very long time. She had no way of putting on a masquerade. There was no, I mean, sure, she had layers that you had to chip away at, and she had walls that you had to knock down, that you had to get past. There were circumstances, and there was conflict, but there was no, there was no way of escaping the fact that you were going to get through those hurdles with her yeah but I, I don't even if i'd been single and met somebody when i was 30 i don't know that it would have been um let me get spicy real quick just real quick well it wouldn't be the same for sure women are intimidating in regards of um like some of the details we're talking about now you know like there's physical beauty of course there's uh Stature independence can be intimidating as well. On the flip side of that, 
women can be intimidated by men that in the right scenarios that are well I don't, I don't know that it goes the other way you don't think so i was going to say ambition per- perhaps a little bit but i was going to say not ambition in the same way, not in the same way a man is intimidated by a woman it's a different elaborate for men, I think it's more about our egos so, um, versus uh, a woman may be just situational in intimidation, not uh, more from, you know, like, I don't think a woman gets intimidated by a guy having a job or a million bucks or whatever. I, I don't think they were being super good looking. I, I don't think they necessarily no. get intimidated in the same way that guys do with with women in that way you know what intimidates me now someone who understands what i'm saying or what i'm what i'm yeah but a lot of people fake it you can't fake that sure you can i can make people under i can make people think i understand them without truly understand them because i don't want to understand i can do that i can play that game I need to go back to CIA psych school for another summer. Hmm. See, I'm at a road roadblock for extending this particular conversation because of what you suggested. Some of these things aren't up to me to figure out. All I have is my experience so far up to this point. And it's a very, it, it is a variable experience with dating quite different women over the last 15, 20 years. Boy, but I do... I'll challenge that, but go ahead. Um, see, you challenge it in thinking that they all like share this commonality, which I you, think is... You have a type. I don't. Yes, you do. I don't. Okay. Because you've only known two of my yeah. seven... Yeah, and based on those two, you have a type. And so I'll get to compare my type set as you date, but now that you know about it, you may be conscious of that and now try to throw me off by going with a different type Never. set. I would never do that. Don't worry. Be- Here's the thing. I may never date again. You know, I've, if something happened to my wife, I don't know that I would date again. I may never date in the colloquial colloquial sense no, well, ever again. Dating's gone. Yeah. Right? Um, Who, I mean, you might go to a concert together. Is that a date? If you're even a concert goer. Go yeah, to, but if, if, you, if you go to dinner and a movie, that's a date. But do people even do that anymore? Yeah, right. I don't ever want to say... Like, I'm glad we're dating. <laughs> I, I never want to be able to, uh, like, have that conversation with someone and say, are we dating? I'm 38 years old. I don't want to use that word in that. You think that's a young person's word? Yeah. What's what's an adult's form of dating? Intimate. I, I'm not concerned. Can you with, be intimate with more than one person at a time? Simultaneously? Not simultaneously <laughs> in the same room in two different households. Is this a trick question? No. Uh, yes, you can. Okay. So where does does exclusivity come into play? Eventually, yes. But intimacy is different. Um. Hey, props to the show The Bachelor. The Bachelor taught me this. Because I hate this show. I think it's silly to bring on one person 
and say, here's 30, kiss them all within two or three weeks and then determine who you want to go on dates with and it's overnight escalated dates. to the, yes, whatever sex room or whatever now. But at yeah. the core, what it's taught me is that you can experience feelings, emotional intimacy with multiple people simultaneously for different reasons. And some of the guys or girls that end up making it all the way aren't the people that. Yeah. But how much of that is for show? Yes. Scripted a lot. But in reality, if it, if it seeps into like your experience a little bit, then you have to give it some merit. Right. And yeah, keep going. But, but it's like a horse race. (laughs) There is a front runner. There's, there's a two to one odds. There's a 10 to one odds. You've said this before. You said you should probably pick the one you're not too sure about. That would be like the, the 48 to one odds. The one that's not super interesting, that's the one you should choose, yes. Is this how you bet on your horses? <laughs> no. Oddly enough. Is it? Sometimes I will run through the chart and go, which horse would I never choose? And I'll throw mm-hmm. them in. And sometimes you win three grand and sometimes you lose. Okay. Well, when we're talking about companionship, bit of a different story. I, I think if I were a single person, I would seek out far different people. Like I, I've got a type, mm-hmm. but I, I think I would seek way outside of that type just for the experience to be outside of that type. But that doesn't stop you from putting a hundred bucks on the three to one to win. No, but they, you know, maybe if you're quote unquote dating different people, you may, they may uh, fill your intimacy roles in different ways. And maybe you don't, maybe you need them both. <laughs> maybe you need to keep dating two people. That's what David Koresh said. <laughs> um, I don't know that he said that. No. He said, I just want to have babies with different women. I don't want 14 that. year olds. Oh God. Yeah. Sometimes. Sex is not involved in one. Sometimes it is in the other. Sometimes I, the variability here is so fun to play with. That's what's enticing and dangerous at the same time when it comes to this sort of thing. (laughs) Very dangerous. Because what if all of these relationships and involvements are meant to educate you on the type of woman that you're really into. I'm saying you're getting late in the ball game, bro. That 38. You think so, but yeah, I know so. But everything's telling you're me gonna the be that guy at the. You're going to be that 70 year old at the nursing home hitting up all the. What's other wrong with that? That sounds like a freaking awesome movie waiting to happen. <laughs> I'm sure. No, as a uh, grumpy old man, remember the the grandpa or the the really old guy in those movies? Yeah, yeah, he was the ladies' man. Ah, anyways, intimacy. This is the rabbit hole that I go down, and uh, again. So you're saying you're not seeing it in the younger generation yet? You're interested in uh, talking to and potentially being with that younger generation. So because of the promise of the younger the younger generation being receptive to finding middle ground never before do i feel as if 
I've never been impressed by younger women more than I am now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's your age. What does that mean? I just think that's your age. At the, guys you think at, 40, at 38 they're impressed yes. with, with 27-year-olds? Yeah. yeah. Like physically, maybe. On the surface level, that's fine. But I'm talking about intellectually, well, spe- in intellectually speaking, I'm I've, impressed with the 28-year-olds I've met. Okay. I may not be impressed in other regards, but that's where I'm impressive. That's the point. That's why the chemistry works. And you revert to um, looking for saving someone or a damsel in distress. Uh, You know, I've thought about the whole Cinderella syndrome, too, and I'm not really on board with being the uh, Prince Charming to a Cinderella because I'm not crazy about the conditioning that goes into girls who see all these Disney fairy tales and that's what they're expecting. However, there are elements of that that aren't so bad. There's there's not anything wrong with well, pulling someone up from a bad situation into a better one. There's not, but there's but but you're talking about people who are well established into the bad situation that have got you know, decades of therapy they need to go through to become a right person. You're not talking about. That's a couple of meandering episodes in, in, uh, in our timeline. Yeah, I don't think so. Decades of therapy. Come on. We can get through that in the late seventies. Yeah, people don't just change that. way. <laughs> they can change that way. Man. I, you know that. And I, you know, I, I've just, this isn't specific to an individual. It, it's 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 the reason why I might be attracted to that type of woman. Right. Which is not good. It's not healthy. I, I think if you talk to any helping people isn't healthy. I I would suggest that being attracted to that type of person in the long run, yes, is not I want, healthy. I want to meet someone who lifts me to a level I've never experienced before. But then, but why do you, but you're not looking at that level. You're looking, you're, you're not looking at no, someone. No, I'm not looking for it. I'm not looking for someone who elevates me to a stratosphere of which I've never experienced. It just happens. I'm not, I'm not combing through profiles of women studying whether or not they've been in terrible situations the last X amount of years no. and saying, ah, yeah, that one. No, but, but it just so happens. Right. But just like, um, just like a predator, right? <laughs> oh God, this is terrible. Why is this terrible? Like I mean, a predator. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like, you mean like the movie, right? Not like a sexual predator. No, like a, like a sexual predator. Oh. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm, I don't mean to make these you. sort of correlations, but they sense a victim mentality they don't, they're not looking them up either. They can just tell by body language. They can tell by maybe a few words they say or what they wear. They have the sense they know that this is someone that I can violate and won't go to the cops. They won't say anything. Yeah, that's a they terrible have like, way it's to like look a at sixth, it. But that's the way. That's not me. 
well, it's sort of the same sort of situation based on some things that someone might say or a place that you might meet them. They fall into the same category Mm. and then you become attracted to that in some way, shape or form when it's Um, not the right type for you. Cause if I feel like if you had found the person, the right person at 38, you'd be married and happy, happy. But so at 38, it's really weird to continue to go through that cycle. That would tell me initially tells me, yeah, it's not a matter of cycling through five or 10 more women. It's (laughs) probably let me change the way I approach this whole thing. Fascinating. Or what, what, or really evaluate what attracts me to that person with these situations or these, um, challenges in life. Oh, you know me. I love to over evaluate things. I've evaluated the crap out of the last 20 years of my, um, romantic liaison slash relationships. They haven't all been like what I've experienced in the last 10 years. I assure you of that. So the shift that's occurred, I've had to sit back and, and look at like, am I, am I attracting these women or am I attracted to them? It could be both. Yeah. And, but, but here's the sticky element to this. If I ever were to attract the woman who just so happened to be the woman who I could experience a long and happy life with eventually, but I had to get past certain elements of her background or her experience and current situation. Like she voted for Trump. I'd have to, right? So then I met a couple of those recently too. I invited one to the show. Eventually. Eventually. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Sorry. Ping pong player and nice person. Very nice. She thinks there's chips in the vaccine. And I'm interested in hearing why. On record. Yeah. Like with a microphone. Not about it. Okay. <laughs> Let me, uh, gosh, I, I always want to simplify this, but it's not a simple thing. I don't see a problem with being someone's gateway to personal freedom. Well, that they have not experienced, that they may never experience if it's left up to them. It seems controlling in a way, like they're going to owe you for this, right? But that's not who I am. Maybe, maybe not. I don't want any, I want reciprocity. That's not, it it could be mistaken as you owe me this. Yeah. It could be. But reciprocity meaning from an emotional standpoint, like here's what, Here's, yeah, okay, I see, I see. Because I was going to say, here's what I can offer you. And then in turn... What are you going to offer me? Yes, but this is un, on an unconscious level. Perhaps. I don't speak these things. Right, right. I don't say these things. So when they're matched, then I'm like, huh, she can offer me this. Though then I would continue on the Prince Charming route very adamantly 
because I'm being met with reciprocity. And then it gets weird because it's like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to go. But there's this ugly situation that like, yeah, literally got to either pull someone through or you step back from completely. And anyways, we're, we're not supposed to talk about this, uh, but well, millennial sex I mean, for me, it's like, <laughs> I, I would not look forward to, like, I'd want to help somebody. I'd want to pull somebody up, but at a certain point, they got to stand on their own two feet and move forward on their own. Otherwise, me constantly pulling them yeah. would be a complete drag. Yeah, um, to both parties. It would just be, yeah, it, just, it wouldn't be fun at all. And No, oh, trust me, it's not And fun. that would end very ugly. Yeah. <clears throat> that would not end well. That would not end as friends. <laughs> yeah. Which was always my goal, I guess. Friends. Yeah, I don't know that I anybody ever dated really hated me. That's good. Uh, where's that good? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. So, anyways, that's why population decline is very important. Yeah. We and need to decline population. No. Yeah, we do. I think it's well, we do, but I think it's going to happen naturally because of lack of intimacy. Hmm. I say longevity, lifespan. But what comes first? Intimacy. Lack of intimacy. No, we have to we have to go through I don't think you have to be intimate to procreate. I think people prove that on a daily basis. Yes, in the past, but what I'm saying is that right now, today. uh -uh. I'm saying it's changing. In nineteen seventy nine, NBA players weren't having, you know, ten kids with ten different women. They are in twenty twenty one. That's because maybe they like they're interested uh, intimately in ten different women. In 1979, you'd have never known it anyway because they'd have kept it under wraps. But it's true, there was no social media, so that's not really a fair statement. But but you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I it, more than anything, I think lack of intimacy has been okay. Uh, the long, the older I've gotten, the, the more the years have gone on. I mean, how much intimacy do you build up to you know? chatting with someone in a chat room before you meet at a hotel to fuck. Well, it's a pretty, hmm. what do you want to know? Like exact time? (laughs) (laughs) Three to four days. And I don't know how intimate any of that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's no buildup, I guess. What if it's based on, what if intimacy can be directly correlated to inspiration? Or maybe motivation. For, well, maybe for some people, but who, man, that's not going to be someone who stays in relationships for a long time. Why? Because of because intimacy, in, intimacy changes, and my my bet would be they're far more infatuated with the early on intimacy versus the later on intimacy. Well, then that person would be me, and that would be contradictory to my experience of it. Or at least how I feel about it. It's so interesting. I base the level of love that I have experienced for other women in my life based on the amount of inspiration I've gotten from them. Mm. Maybe it's because I come from an artistic perspective of this, which sounds even more terrible. Maybe it's because... Every experience in my life has been utilized as like a uh, an outlet to speak on or to um, obtain to, 
Is there mm. a right way of saying this? Probably not. There's probably not. sticking your foot right in your mouth. That's okay at this point. Fine. There's women out Let's there. Okay. No one listens to this show. <laughs> You're right. So, shout outs to the three people who do listen to this show that Morgan just insulted. Um, I've used... Our friends or family. We appreciate it. I've used romantic situations as muses. Sure. Is there anything wrong with that? No, I would imagine it works. Uh, it's it's works pretty prevalent. Ways, yeah. That's what I think works for me as far as being able to determine whether or not something is worth pursuing. You know why? Okay, this might get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) This will get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it. The big relationship in my life that did not work out, like the marriage, there wasn't a lot of inspiration there. In fact, you can look at every aspect of my human existence and you can see, except for, it's it gets tricky, the introduction of fatherhood, which is paramount to everything I'm about to say. <laughs> That is a great gift that I'll never be able to experience with any other person in my life. And I'm forever thankful. However, as an individual selfish person, I'm going to say these things. My health, my zest for life, my passion for my individual pursuits. A lot of these things fell by the wayside. Well, it it kind of goes back to what I'm what I talk about by setting boundaries early on, mm-hmm. you kind of protect that part of you a little bit, or at least you establish a boundary that I, this is a need for me and I need, That's you know, I, I, you know, I need some boundaries and boundaries get crossed from time to time and you got to be able to work through it. But, but at least there's some establishment of, of a, of a need and maybe there's a little more respect, uh, at, at a certain point in a relationship about that. I guess I always wanted the woman to probe at that and figure it out on her own rather than me be the, the authoritarian on it. Okay. So I never wanted to come off and say, here's my list of things you don't want to do. I wanted her to naturally. Well, figure that out. Much like I had figured out. I don't, well, outside of a handful of things, I don't know that we have a full list, right? Sure. And and so sometimes you don't even know something is is a annoying or bothers you until the person's doing something, and then you're like, okay, that bugs me, right? But but you know what I'm saying? It's like I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Good. <laughs> L- let me say from from someone who writes a lot. God, here we go. I, I write a lot. It's been the stuff that I haven't been able to talk about that I write about. If I can talk about it, I don't need to write about it because talking about it is arguably a lot more effective and easier to do for me. 
writing is an excellent tool, I think, for self-reflection, though. Yeah, but those are things that I can't talk about to anyone else. That's what self-reflection is, is when you're self-reflecting. I can talk about that stuff. Yeah, the baselines of it, but fleshing it out is in writing. So, anyways... I'm coming off a seven-year hiatus of not writing a single thing. Is that because I've had other things going on? Yeah. Yeah? Or is it because I haven't been inspired? Other things going on. Okay. So then, in the last four months, I've written 10 songs, 50 poems, album on the way. And this is just in that platform. Oh. I mean, you had a major event in your life that may have triggered all that. Yes, but I'm not writing about that major event. No. I'm writing about what followed. But that's still the same. Without the event, what followed wouldn't have occurred. Right. But then we get into the fun Christopher Nolan retro causation. What if what was the catalyst was really the end result? I've had this contemplation more and more every day. Well, Ed, here's the thing, though. Chemistry. It's, it's not like your magnetism. Writing, it's not like your writing is going to continue at the same pace over the next five years. It won't. That depends on the level of inspiration I experience. I, I, I experienced you, X, well, I experienced X amount within a very small window of time of which the likes I've not experienced in quite some time, if not ever. So I can imagine if it sustains or if it amplifies or the next time that I experience that sort of intense intimacy, what it's going to produce. If it's with the same person, then it grows. If it's with a different person, the only way it could ever happen with a different person, this might sound terrible, is if, no, it's not going to sound terrible. The only way it can happen with another person is if it grows from where it left off with a different person. So I don't know how that sounds on paper, but what I'm trying to say is I'm not interested in meeting or even discussing life with a member of the opposite sex unless it is more intense than what it's been in the last three months. It's an unrealistic expectation. Well, then... I need to revisit the soulmate talk, then. (laughs) You might need to. Why is it unrealistic? I just don't think you can... Gauge it off inspiration and, well, and what the heart feels. Nothing is a nothing is a constant, right? Um, I mean, hell, even the rotation of the Earth is not a constant, right? Um, you, you, the waves, the ebbs, the flows. Yes. So you'll be super inspired, uninspired, super inspired, uninspired. That you're going to go through those ebbs and flows. You're not going to find some consistent. And if you do, it's probably not healthy. What if it is? It's not. What if it's the way that things become over time? It's like a drug addict constantly staying high. 
Right, but the high is not based on a synthetic drug. But it's the same principle. What's wrong with that? If it's coming from a non... You have no grasp of reality. Hmm. What's wrong with that? What, what, uh, rewind a bit. What's wrong with that? What's wrong in, with not having a grasp, grasp of, of reality? reality in tandem with what reality presently is described as? Well, there's no objective sense of what reality is. If I ask you well, right now, I, what do you but, think reality okay, is? Okay, but what I mean, like, you, you lose grasp of your kid growing up and no, events and her. Never. Because that doesn't factor it, in. It doesn't it, it interfere. Does, it does. If you are on this constant wave, it will interfere. What with, if she's part of that wave? Kid. She can't be. How is that possible? She can't experience it at the same level with you or even ride the wave with you. She's oh. not in the same boat. No, but she's part. Okay. So what if my wave is, is love period. And she's part of that radial heart theory that I have where my heart can well, expand in multiple she, directions. She can't give to you at a high constant level all the time. Right. She's five years old. Right. But she gives back to me tenfold. She's done more for me in five years. Okay, than, but, but you're talking about having this inspiration that keeps yes. you on this high level and it keeps you on this high level forever. And what I'm telling you is that can't happen. It doesn't happen. But she's The a, only way it happens is if you're lost in it. You're on the drug forever. And if you do that, it will impact your relationships. It doesn't matter what the, what the feeling is. If you're into it and it's consuming you and it's driving you, you will miss other parts of your life. You can't ha control all your life and be on this plane of a whole new existence all at the same time. It doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. Interesting. Well, you know how much I like proving you wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. If I do, I'll never admit it. On this particular topic, you'll never admit it because this is a weird one to admit. Well, you couldn't prove it. I couldn't anyway. prove it. Yeah. You'd have to take my word for it. But that. I'm not ready to say because it's been such a short period of time. This is where I'm willing to be humble and say, yeah, I'm going to study the hell out of myself and what I go through from here on out. I'm allowed to do that without, without psychoanalyzing other people that are involved in my life, which I'm trying to stay away from doing. <laughs> I'm allowed to study my experience. Of it intently. Yeah, you still may be right. worried about the wrong things. What does that mean? I feel like the level of detail and examination perhaps may hold you back <clears throat> from moving forward. I agree with that. But it's not something that I have control over at this oh, present is. stage. Oh, it absolutely is. No, because there's stuff that I have to cement before moving on. Otherwise, 
I feel as if the opportunity is lost on me to it is gain the most insight on this situation mm. that can help me and others in the long run. Mm. That's the key. Because to me, the experience of life turns into knowledge. And if harnessed properly, the knowledge can turn into wisdom down the road. I don't want to be on the opposite end of this table in 20 years when some 30-year-old asked me to be their podcast host. <laughs> and I don't want to be armed with a false sense of how to go about something. Now, I'm not saying you are, but your experience is limited in some of these areas that we have to, or I say we, that I feel as if I have to have a sound understanding of in order to be at peace. Not just for me, for the sake of everything. If I don't want people to misdiagnose or misinterpret, because we've had this talk before. Tough shit. You don't have control of that. Yeah, but with concepts and ideas, I feel as if the science proves this, the people that understand something fully have jurisdiction over what it evolves into. In what way? And who? Into what it evolves into. No, they don't. If you're closer to the truth of something, you have... Truth means nothing. Influence means everything. No. No. You've seen what that's resulted in. And with things like religion, with things, yeah, it's resulted in people who are. And my truth may not be your truth. Right. I get that. But the point is. The closer I get to the truth. The more at peace I am. With being able to move on from a situation. That's all. So the nooks and crannies of my life experience, I've yeah, I gotta I gotta know what's what's going on. That's all. Yeah, sometimes it just is what it is, and it can't be analyzed. <laughs> At a certain point, you've got to realize there's eh, nothing to be learned here. Move on. Been there, done that. I'm just talking about it. Talking about what are we talking about? I don't know. Lost track. We were supposed to. How smoking marijuana? Uh huh. <laughs> Haven't done that for a long time. Young people, yeah, you don't want to because apparently makes you more susceptible to heart attacks. Yes, but you made a good point in thinking that um, that might not be directly correlated to the actual pot itself. It might be the activity that the pot smoker... That comes with the pot smoker. Yes, yes. which yeah. is fast food. But that's always been around. So why hasn't this always been a thing? Well, because pot hasn't been legal in most places, so it can't be studied in this way. 
I, ah. I think in the next few years, you're going to start to see more and more studies like this that come out with the negative impact of, uh, you know, pot use over years. Like obesity probably Perhaps. being a, a big thing. In this case, you know, if you read through the, I don't know if you, how much of it you read. I read. But, um, it was pretty good. I, I think, I, I don't think it's too far of a stretch, but I do think there are also contributing factors that go along with, uh, you know, pot smoking, such as generally people who smoke pot also drink. Um, generally. You could have some alcohol stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you for sure eat a lot and you probably eat a lot of fast food and you may eat it in the middle of the night. <laughs> this was very yeah and we've talked about how unhealthy that is this was very recent though isn't it um like they talked about the heart attacks that were experienced in the last year yes so I mean, it's i mean it's good stuff it really is yeah i'm I'm always fascinated by it for a number of reasons but um the study peer-reviewed and published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal yeah, found that cannabis consumers between the ages of 18 and 44 had a 1.3 chance of experiencing a heart attack, up from 0.8%, which is a half of a percent for the math salutes out there. <laughs> so you have a 1.3 chance of having a heart attack if you smoke pot now versus... When you used to smoke pot. So I don't know when the last time they did this study is concerned, but it's like 35,000 people. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty considerable amount. Yeah. So, Miguel, if you're listening, <laughs> sounds like uh, you have a higher chance of having a heart attack than you than I do of ending up on a ventilator because of COVID. <laughs> Wow, you went there. I did. I went there. I can't wait till he comes on the show the next time. One point three percent, buddy. I think I'm sitting at something like point zero six or point zero eight. That's according to my latest BMI numbers and uh, height and um, psychological evaluations as well. They gave me some in uh, Langley a couple weeks ago to make sure to make sure I wasn't, you know out of touch with reality or anything like that. Well, you're about to go on a mission, right? Uh, things have changed a little different. Uh, yes. My, maybe. My missions. The objectives, maybe. My objectives change on a weekly basis, Morgan. Yeah, I got you. Although I do have backup missions. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. Uh, I Yeah, I have secondary and tertiary missions should covid get in the way of my primary objective which is landfall on the european continent by the end of the month but uh no i'm still i'm still holding course with that i think it's uh i've looked forward to it for gosh 10 15 years going to that part of the world has been on my list of things to do if not sweden iceland was going to be like my primary destination so scandinavia's a cool place to to be this time of year from what I hear. And I'm looking forward well, to it. Well, you might have, maybe August was more of a prime month or July. No, I heard from local residents that October is the best month to go. And so I planned around the end I of September. I guarantee you there could be some snowfall. 
Maybe, but I asked specifically, when's the best time of year to go? And the response was late September, early October. I'm going to take someone's word for it who's been there. See, you're trying to culturally appropriate. (laughs) You're trying to hijack the Scandinavian culture here and say, I know. Okay, if I wanted to go to a beach in Sweden, perhaps. Well, they're not American. Right. I I don't know that you go swimming. At a beach in, in Sweden, not without a wetsuit or dry suit, huh? Yeah, yeah I would imagine do. those. I would imagine those ocean temperatures, even in the middle of summer, are cold enough. Low seventies, mid seventies, you can swim in seventy-five degree water. That's not, bro. That water is probably like fifty degrees in the heat of summer. Uh, all I know is that all I know is I've seen women in bikinis. Well, on the beach. Yeah, but they're not getting in the. I mean, even yeah. uh, even even on in paddle Cali- boats and stuff. Even in California, you don't go out there in just some swimming trunks. Generally, if you're going to be in the water for a while, you wear a freaking wetsuit. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Hold on, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of this. I'm sure they have the the water temps. Swedish in, water temps. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form that can be tracked I gotta down. Consi- I got to know this because I'm going to have to swim from Copenhagen to <laughs> Sweden. <laughs> Current seawater temperature in Sweden. Uh, right now, 15 degrees Celsius. So uh, do the conversion. Yeah. That's about 70. That is about 70 degrees. Let's see. Let's, let's see how off I was. <laughs> 15 Celsius is, drum roll, I don't know. Probably like 59. Oh, I was a little off. Okay, now, um, how about, to prove you wrong, we go to <laughs> July. 22 degrees Celsius. What's that? It's warmer than, than 15. 72 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's in the middle of July. I could swim in 72 degrees. 72 degree water, sorry. My parents' pool's at like 93 still. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to explain to you how little of a plan for the rest of my life I have. <laughs> All of the things that, in a good way, I am more welcome to anything happening than I've ever been in my life. I don't know if that's because of the last 25 years of being overly meticulous and detailed and thinking that I have like the perfect route or the perfect um, perspective of how I'd like for things to pan out and not having it go my way 70% of the time. But what I've used is that 30%. To say, when it does work out for me, I like the way that it works out. And so, all I need to do is be more of that person. And what that was, was spontaneous, adventurous, inspired, passionate. Someone who surrounded themselves every moment that he could was something that he cared about doing. I know what you're going to say. That's tough to do on a day-in, day-out basis. But is it really? Don't we 
let me um let me reverse all of the criticisms that I've had of the nine to five worker just for this brief tiny little moment in time. Don't we tell everybody like if you hate your job, try to find something that is redeeming about it, something that you do enjoy about it to get you through the day? I I've never heard that. Oh. <laughs> I've uh, if you don't like your job, get another one. Yeah. Um, Why are you sticking around? Right. All I've tried to do over this course, over this lifetime, is chip away at the stuff that I don't enjoy. Carve out a reality that I enjoy experiencing minute by minute with the knowledge that unpredictable scenarios and circumstances can present themselves, but at the same time, don't don't negate them. Don't embrace them from happening because you fear them, you deny them, or all these negative things. Welcome them. And when they establish themselves for a sustained period of time, and those are the new fabrics of your reality, find ways to enjoy them. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm still in the fucking zone. <laughs> oh, you're not. The zone zone. And let me clarify here. I'm not talking about a romantic zone. I'm not talking about being in love with a person. I'm talking about being in my zone of inspiration, adventure, spontaneity, compassion, adoration for my little girl who started kindergarten three weeks ago and comes home with some new activity every day for me to show, for me to see that I'm just completely captivated by. And it's just a bunch of stick figures in a book. <laughs> stick figures with her color, with her hand coloring in the the colors, things that I've looked forward to seeing. I love life, Morgan, right now. I really do. There's no reason not to, other than COVID. <laughs> what a downer. <laughs> COVID's not a... But COVID's, not holding the, us back. COVID's the catalyst for this. Mm. I don't know about all that. COVID's the catalyst for this. You know why? I was a victim of humdrum giving into routine until my routine got shook up. I was complacent. I settled for a lot of stuff that I knew deep down inside. Sooner or later, I was either going to continue settling for or I was going to do something about it but I was never the guy to go all the way with doing something about it because I could enjoy life simultaneously like not really being forceful in changing my predicament in current situations because I was still enjoying them I enjoyed my place of work where I was at prior to covid to a certain degree I enjoyed where I worked before I enjoyed 
my relationship in the last seven years, for the most part. I enjoyed my day-to-day. But what I didn't know, what I didn't have access to, was how much more (laughs) enjoyable things could get until I experienced them. And now, yeah, you're right. Maybe it is like a drug. But it's a good kind of drug. It's life. It's experiencing it at its max potential, moment by moment, to my subjective understanding of what that means. And here's here's the tricky part. I do want to share that with other people so that they can go at it in their way of trying to get there. So whether that's a romantic interest who I see, well, clearly you're not going to get there if you're not independent, (laughs) if you're in a ugly situation in your current relationship, because guess what? I've been there. And so all I'm doing is sharing a bit of my experience in hopes that it translates to that person's. But with friends, with family, it's the same thing. I would want people to share things they are 100% confident in based on things that have sustained and things that you've been able to analyze and, and get down to T in your personal life. I know it's subjective, but I'd want them to at least approach me and say, you know, this has worked for me, Sasha. Every single time I've done this, it's worked. Nobody really does that. <laughs> I hear opinions. I hear like um, advice. But I, only, I told my mom this on her episode. I don't hear a ton of wisdom. I give the, you wisdom you, every day. Yes. But your wisdom requires me to do the opposite of to determine whether or not it was wisdom. <laughs> You know that makes sense. That's your own fault. No, because if I don't, then I'm just taking your word for it. I don't want you to take my word for it until you go on a fast for a week. Yeah, never (laughs) gonna happen. (laughs) I know, because then you might beat me at disc golf. Uh, I do every now and then beat you (laughs) at disc golf, sir. Ah, I love where we're heading as a species. Well, it's not like you have a choice. I mean, you can love it or hate it. It's it's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds like a freaking presidential <laughs> campaign slogan. <laughs> In 2024, whoever runs, yeah, you can love it, you can hate it. It's happening. That <laughs> that's a hell <laughs> of a presidential slogan. Yeah, it's happening. So it's it's like a coming of age for an entire consciousness. <clears throat> it is. Mm, maybe. We've reached this point. Marber. We've reached this point where our minds are open enough 
even in nooks and crannies to where the effect is tangible. And it doesn't matter all the traffic and all the slow pokes that are in the way because this is like a hundred lane highway and you can kind of, you can pave your own road even if you want and dart all the way ahead. You don't need to, but it's fun. (laughs) So yeah, pot ain't so great anymore. Well, just be prepared for new studies that show you the, the negative side effects they haven't been able to show you before. I was thinking about this when I was reading the article today. I feel like I experienced the, uh, I wish Miguel was here because he was smoking when I was smoking marijuana as well. But there's a golden age of getting high on weed. And I feel I experienced it. It, was, it wasn't the super expensive stuff that has names or anything, anything like that. It was a bag of weed. <laughs> It was a bag of weed with seeds. Know, even back when you were getting high, there mm-hmm. was still Oh, there was hydroponic, and... yes, and all that. And that would be what you had like once a month maybe. Or if you were rich, of course, you'd have it on a day-to-day basis. Or if you and your buddies were chipping in, you'd have it regularly. But still, giving your hookup $20, saying, eh, this is a good deal. Getting a Ziploc bag full of weed (laughs) in return for 20 bucks. And then smoking it and having enough for a week. Yeah. Mary Jane influenced me. (laughs) And she inspired me. Many a nights. Yeah, I don't know how inspirational she truly is, but okay. I don't know. Some of it was goofy. Some of it was fun. Some of it was artistically poignant, in my opinion. (laughs) All right. Poignant. So this is your um, this is your episode to do seventy percent of the talking, right? No. Yes. So I'm gonna have to talk to like two. Well, I mean, it ain't happening. Episode seventy-seven is what we're on. Should have gone to the casino. Well, you should have given me a heads up, maybe. I don't know, man. I just... Spontaneity. You know, I feel like... God, you can't be that guy that... I want you to be that that guy friend who's spontaneous. But you can't be. Because you're 47. You know... Married. You're 47 and you live an hour away. (laughs) Well, I'd have had to bring my bankroll. Uh, So you got to tell me. Or, or should I just bring bankroll with me? You should. Every time. You should be prepared for spontaneity. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean go gambling on a week-to-week basis. That could mean, hey, we're going to go play ping pong this week. It could mean uh, we're going to meet halfway. But how spontaneous can I... See, now I have to assess it's weird. I'm in a strange situation in our friendship. I have to, <laughs> I have to assess the riskiness of the spontaneity. <laughs> Between that, that I introduced to you because you're the married guy of 30 of 30 years. Why does, why does that matter? I do what I want when I want. What can I not do? You couldn't go to drive to, um, another major Metro on a whim and say, yeah, let's go experience the nightlife in, uh, Boston. No, you couldn't because you'd have to inform this person, this entity, 
Well, this I would per- just say, hey, going to be in Austin tonight. <laughs> See ya. Yes, but then what do you do about work? We'd have to do it on a weekend. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I hate to tell you, Austin You're, Nightlife. It's not so great. Not so great. Well, I mean, things have changed in 88. Been there since then. Okay. <laughs> a few times. Fair enough. All right. And that was just a sp- spontaneous suggestion. I would like to hop on a plane and go like to Chicago or Atlanta even. Go visit your old stomping grounds. In Atlanta? Why not? do that? There's, I mean, we're free to roam about the country. I think that place has changed so much, I'm sure. But sure, yeah. I can show you where my hotel was right across the street from a strip bar. Fantastic. <laughs> not really. The limitations of... Uh, I imagine that strip bar is not there anymore, but... The limitations of what people can do and not do because of certain it's, standards. I can do it's, what I want. I know. It's just whether I want to do it or not. Oh, you have the right approach to it. Some people say, we know those people who are in a relationship and all of a sudden, yeah, you can't do anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or they have a job and can't do anything. And Yeah, that's true, too. Thing about a job, you can't just. I, I mean, I guess I could call in sick, but um, I mean, generally speaking, it's easier if you have a heads up a little bit. To oh say, yeah, I don't absolutely. Need this day. I'm gonna need to stay off, and then not that big a deal. Yeah. Very fortunate. I don't want. Sort of I don't want to go back to the intimacy talk, but part of the part of the core of what drives intimacy for me is that spontaneity and the ability to I agree Spon- spontaneity really personality type yeah I can't tell you how many times we went and did something on a whim and it your heart grew your your love your adoration for for Kelly grew yeah I mean, you gotta experience those things yeah I mean sometimes it would be like this band's playing in Houston and it's Friday night at, I don't know, 6 p.m. And you're like, well, if we leave now, we'll just make when they start to get on stage. Yeah. And we go. And then drive back the same night. So you hear somebody say, you know, deep down, all I want to do is travel. And you're like, oh, funny, me too. I want to be able to do it, you know, respectfully as a dad and when I can afford to do it but still spontaneously and I can afford to do it and so you hear somebody say that and you're like ha ah, butterflies perfect but then <laughs> let's say you had access to like their google maps <laughs> and you see that they've lived the last three years of their life <laughs> in like a three dot radius here there there and there and then they they say things like you know they operate off clockwork things that are predictable in nature. Like I'll be here at this time on this day guaranteed. And they are. (laughs) And you're like, I see who you want to be and I want to help you get there. And I can, because I'm here and I'm the one who is spontaneous and ready to do all these things that you think think you're ready for but you gotta the word is courage right 
You got to have a bit of courage in, in matching who you say you are when you're clearly not. Well, I can enjoy long walks on the beach, but never have taken a long walk on the beach, right? Yeah. There are certain things I think sometimes that we were like, I would enjoy that. So if someone asked, I would say, yes, I enjoy this, but maybe I don't experience, you know. <laughs> but let's hypothetically say you've offered some person spontaneously to join you on a trip. And their one choice, their one decision away, all they have to do is say yes. And then everything's taken care of. But it's courage that, or interest. But let's just establish that interest was there. Let's just give me the benefit of the doubt and say interest was there. And it comes down to the choice of seeing where making a spontaneous decision leads you versus falling back to the... I think the word you're looking for is curious versus courage. Oh, okay. Maybe. I mean, when you, I don't think it takes courage to make a spur of the moment decision and go. Well, if I'm in, if I'm inviting someone to a, a two week trip, that could be like, well, yeah, that a might, defining moment in yeah, that. That could be some courage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You so, I didn't realize we're talking about a two week commitment here. Two week commitment go in this day and age. <laughs> Holy cow. Um two weeks of my time on vacationing with you. Yeah, no, man. That could be well, no it depends way. on where we're at. What if we're Maybe in like, get mentally prepared? What if for we're in moment? Macau or something? Uh, look, I'm completely Yeah, I, this is an unwarranted criticism. It is. Because f- <laughs> for is, what it, for what it's worth, I do the most talking that I do. All week long in On this, this three-hour period yes, of time, I, I do the most overanalyzing. Arguably, well, yeah, maybe. Oh, well, well the, when you're alone, yeah. When, when I'm alone, not, we all do. Yeah. But on this show, it's it's a little different. And yeah, I'm I am this person when meandering's not taking place, but it's much more toned down, and I'm much more um, obviously enjoying day to day activities than. I am scrutinizing um, the realities that people are trying to manifest and I'm trying to like push away like a street fighter special move. But um, I mean, it is what it is. (laughs) So, yes, um, two weeks. Let's just say hypothetically, I approach you and I'm like, yeah, Morgan, I'm ready to take this relationship to the next level. <laughs> Let's go on a two week relationship. And you all of a sudden are planning out uh, the places we're going to be staying on this two week relationship. And you're like, yeah, I've got to I got to make this decision. I'm going to do it this week, Sasha. I, I assure you, I'll have the place booked this week. I'm like, OK, cool. Deep down, I know Morgan's got commitments at home. Um, he's got job he's got all these things that he's gonna have to actually confront if he wants to go on this trip with me should i tell him that he's got to confront it that these things should i, I know. should i book i know you know i'm trying to use you okay. as an analogy i got you, I got you. <laughs> damn secrets well, hopefully anyone would know uh, they- unless you've never experienced any of this and you were all just talk yeah, it's true too. But what? here's the here's the empathetic part. Even though you were all talk, Morgan, I still got love for you, and I still want you to go on this trip because I still really want to experience this trip with you, and I know that it'll change you permanently. 
if you go on this trip with me. Like God. I'm going to catch a disease? No. Oh. <laughs> no. No. That, well, it depends on some of the places you may you may visit on. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I may visit. <laughs> I wouldn't. No. Anyways. Okay. It's going to take courage for you to say the trip's worth it. And to take my word well, it's for a, it. It's a commitment for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, of two weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, what if you're unemployed and uh, you, you don't want to be at home all too much? And this is like a silver platter invitation to a new life. <laughs> then what? Yeah, but then that's a life decision, right? That's extremely impactful. Yes. Um, it is. There are consequences and and I have to seriously evaluate them. Uh, do I want to yeah. um, confront these consequences? The closure, even. Yeah, the closure of some decisions or, or the closure that comes about because of some decisions. That can be tough for people to face, but that is at the core of what people have to be willing to do in order to gain access to the the realm of life experience I'm suggesting is attainable. Freedom is all I'm saying. This is at the end of the day. Freedom to be yourself. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. That's utopia. Freedom to be yourself? Yep. No, not utopia, my friend. Oh. You can't be yourself. You've got to be a cog in the wheel in utopia. Not in this utopia. Or it doesn't, nothing, things will get done if no one has to do anything. Mm. They can just be whatever they want. But that's the point, is that whatever they want to be will service utopia. Yeah, what if everybody wants to be the same thing? That's impossible. Because then no, everybody not. would have the same version of utopia and we'd be there already. No. We would, based on the uh, Borg mind theory that suggests if the entire mass population has a certain viewpoint on something, then it's going to manifest itself instantly. <laughs> this, is a, this is a fight for utopia, for freedom, mm-hmm. because there's so many interpretations that have gotten it wrong along the way that you got all these branches of government that and religions that say, ah, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you reach enlightenment. I don't know. Well, maybe enlightenment, but I don't know if that's utopia. Fascinating. Yeah. Maybe utopia is not the right word because it's been hijacked by so many sci-fi movies and stuff. (laughs) Enlightenment. How many people get to even experience it? None. Out of a out of a hundred. Zero. Absolutely zero? Yeah. Okay. Well. It's a figment of our imagination that we've made up to drive ourselves through our lives. That is the most cynical <laughs> approach to enlightenment I've ever heard. You're welcome. I feel the opposite. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't. Uh, I do feel it's a low number of people that reach it. But I do think our life experiences is directly correlated to the amount of consciousness that we have accessed. It's 
almost contingent upon it. It's how you end up with idiocracy is because the masses, the cogs in the wheel, have experienced such a finite amount of what reality has to offer that you can lump them up and you can call them a blob. The horror movie The Blob was actually a socio-political commentary on The Blob, (laughs) on idiocracy. In 1959, that movie came out and was warning people, this is what happens if the masses are conditioned. They turn into a monster that destroys cities. (laughs) And you don't think you can get your philosophy from movies and your sociopolitical commentary from Marvel movies these days. I beg to disagree. You and I should go see that Eternals Marvel movie that's coming out in December. I know you don't want to see, but it's Disney's attempt at, it's Disney's attempt at trying to teach kids about the Anunnaki. I don't know about that. Why would Disney care about teaching kids about the Anunnaki? Because that's going to be one of the discussion points that Makes its rounds over the next 50 years. They don't care. I know this. Kids don't care? No. Or Disney? Disney doesn't care. Disney's like, how do I sell movies? How do I I get you guys to keep paying me for garbage? (laughs) A lot of it is. So we're going on that uh, that trip for two weeks. (laughs) Give me a... I need to know more. Uh, (laughs) The details. You need to know my... How much money's in my bank account? And if I'm <laughs> if I'm paying for all the, uh, I'm not really too worried about that because okay. you're inviting me, so you're That's paying. True. I am. Um, so I'm more worried of like specific places to go. Oh, and um, but that's the point. I don't have it all itineraried out. Okay, but I need a general idea, like day to day, or no, no. Oh, okay, we're going to Nebraska, and we're going to check out Lincoln and then, you know, there's <laughs> and a, then go back home <laughs> because there ain't shit else in Nebraska. Omaha, right? Omaha. Yeah. You know, we're going to, and there's like, you know, uh, a monolith or something. We're going to go see a Cornhuskers game. Sure. Yeah. All right. Just generally. Okay. That's your, like, that's t- a typical vacation for Kelly and I. A lot of times it's like, we'll go, okay, day one, we'll, we'll be in this area and we'll just do whatever. And then we'll get there and then we'll end up doing whatever sometimes. Like we don't really, like we know where we're going to be and then we just let it flow from there. Perfect. Ideal. If we don't this do. This is where I messed up. If I, I, if I don't do, I if I don't do exactly like we'll throw several ideas out there and then we'll just let it, let it go. You cracked the code. I messed up, man. Like when we got to DC, we had no idea how we were going to attack DC, so to speak, from a touristy standpoint. And we <laughs> from a touristy standpoint, make sure you clarify yes. that we're listened to in Langley, Virginia. There's a big dot. Yeah. I like your approach to vacations. I mean, sometimes you have to say we're going to spend one day here or two days here. Cause like specifically the last trip we took, you know, we flew into Boston and then rented a car and we drove down to, over like 10 days, we drove down to DC. So we, in order to not get stuck out 
and not have a hotel room when we get to certain places or whatever, you kind of have to make some reservations. But generally speaking, it's just kind of did what we wanted. I played disc golf nice. twice, right? And, then, and the place that I played disc golf in Delaware was freaking awesome. I bet it, it was. was a, it was on a, uh, a revolutionary, there was a revolutionary um, memorial site there in nice. that, that same park. It was awesome. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I am going to take this wisdom. And the next time I'm playing a trip with anyone, I'm going to have this sort of itinerary somewhat detailed out. I mean, you don't, you don't want to dig down too detailed. Just right. whatever happened. We're, you know, we knew we were going to be in DC for three days. And when we got there, we just kind of figured out what we did each day. It was awesome. You know, the problem as I'm hearing you discuss this is you've always had, because she's your wife, of course, you've had the level of commitment to where yeah. you knew you were going on the trip. <clears throat> and so the, if I was, let's say I was a single man yeah. and I was inviting a woman and it would be our first trip together. I would feel some pressure perhaps mm-hmm. to detail everything out, to have this game plan in my mind. I might, ha- I might do it that way versus being not even to impress, just to make sure that the experience was one worth going right. on period. Right. Cause if you go to Lincoln, Nebraska for two weeks with someone you're trying to court, well, eh. I would hate getting there, getting to like DC and going, what do you want to do? And they just go, Oh, Whatever right. you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I'm big on like mutual, um, what's it called? Proactive sort of uh, attacks of, oh God, here we go. You're always attacking. <laughs> no, we get, don't take the DC uh, conversation. Yeah, I am always attacking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, well, take that for what it's worth and stop crying out there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no okay you want to get far-fetched cool talk in in closing here yeah whatever codifying language and um sorry minority sorry. report yeah. Oh, yeah uh you know what stopping crime ahead of I time i almost watched that movie you should have the other day i've seen it once i don't i don't know if i need to see it again but minority report came on uh came up on twitter part of government or i'm sorry part of governor abbott's abortion speech funny that we're going to bring this back up um he was in some courthouse this week talking about it and uh he mentioned the word you know texas is is going to be focused on stopping future rapists that's what he said and then twitter jumped on him for using that specific terminology future rapist and they said well governor abbott thinks it's minority report and that we can predict the guy who's gonna rape the girl and stop him in the act uh, it doesn't work that way yet. It can, Governor. You just need to hire me in. Yeah. Well, at least one half. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know that I care to be a part of it. Well, I can. You I have, can. Well, I, I what can. if you have to be a part People of it? People just don't listen when I. Oh, come on. Telling them about the future and how it's going to be. I'm. <laughs> I'd love to listen to this. This is you crack the code of what I want to. Yeah, this is how we grow the show, Morgan. What do you want to talk about? The, let's talk about it yeah, next week. Maybe. Oh, 78. Okay. We're getting in. Is that your birth year? Well, we passed my uh, birth year already, yeah. sir. 67. <laughs> Kidding. Um, I want to go on vacation with her.
I'm going to edit that out. Perhaps that ship has sailed. I wish it would sail off like Galveston Coast on a two-week cruise. Mm, two weeks too long to be on a cruise. One week's plenty. Yeah, I've never been on a cruise. Yeah, got to go on a cruise. Fun. Yeah. I would do them again. You've been on a cruise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we can bring our recording equipment on a cruise boat. Yeah, Western. There's casinos on a cruise boat. Absolutely. It has are, there get... po- are there tables? Yeah. Huh. Absolutely. You got to be pretty selective about the cruise they line. They had, though. um, they had, I think all of them are, are table. I think all of them pretty much do the same thing. Like back then, um, this particular cruise line offered, you know, uh, you know, cause everything's, you know, all your dinner and stuff's paid for. Right. But this particular cruise line didn't force you to go into like a dining room with assigned seating at assigned times, oh, that's cool. which was typical of cruise lines back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more of a, you know, we've got like five restaurants. So you just make reservations and eat it, whichever one you want. Oh, that's nice. So you, <clears throat> would you pay for your food up front? Like, a, well, it's all included in your, in your, uh, in, in, charge. The, in the, in the fees. The big yeah. charge. Okay. So then you get the option. It, it's kind of like uh, high school. You pay for your lunch card, and then you could just go to any like of the little right. establishments. Oh, Nowadays, cool. they've they've gotten you've got an upscale place to where there's an upcharge. You know, uh, maybe you're not full, paying full price for what the meal would be, but you're paying a little more to eat for at the, the steakhouse strip or yeah. whatever they got. Yeah, okay. hmm. a lot on the a lot on the table, man. I mean, you want to talk about that's, f- that's how future. I got to go to a Mayan ruin. Oh yeah, you took a. We took an excursion. Caribbean. Yep, in Belize, and we nice. went to went and got to walk and climb on a Maya ruin. It was awesome. I'd want to go on like an Alaskan cruise and freeze our asses off. Yeah, you can't. I don't know that they get really get off the the boat. Yeah, or maybe in Juneau, maybe. Yeah, or yeah, Anchorage. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know, we'd need There's to talk to, to do an angry. We'd need to talk to Heather. Heather went on. on oh, she went cruise. on Alaskan yeah. cruise. Nice. Yeah, we would have to talk to her. She needs to come back and visit us on this fine program mm-hmm. when she's got to spare four hours on a Wednesday. <laughs> four hours. Yeah, she doesn't anymore. Right. Yeah, we have to. We should start drafting up contracts for some of our guests, or not contracts, but agreements that say like you're gonna you're gonna get home at two in the morning. Uh, your your brain's gonna be warped while on the show you're gonna wake up and algorithms are gonna start popping up in the middle okay i'm hyped for the matrix four i know you don't give a shit no i can't believe they're making another movie did you like any of the original matrix movies yeah okay good it was a good trilogy yes so the rumor is in closing here that neo is back but he's back as his pencil pushing office working self with no memory of any of the work that he's done. Lame. Lame. But here's where it gets cooler. Um, They're going to the, the good guys, Morpheus and all the people that are with him are going to lead him through the same steps that he went through as a younger version. However, He's now like 40, 45, your age. So they're remaking the movie. 
That's the theory. But they're going to do it in a cool way that's not that's like not Star cool. Wars. It's not like that's Star not Wars. That's not cool. Come on. It's the Matrix. Come on. It's the Matrix. So, here's, what, here's what drives me crazy about some movies that do this, right? You go through this setup and your your characters have achieved great success. Here it is. It's over. And then when they may do a remake, something happened between yeah. being on top of the world. Now, all of a sudden, you've regressed and have to go through the stupid process again. I'm out. Don't even care about the new sequel. That's life. Or I'll go see it before everyone and just talk shit about it and ruin it for everybody. Maybe RAF. Because I'm, I'm good at that. Yeah, you can forecast the future. I mean, yeah, The Matrix 4. I told y'all Star Wars sucked. You know, try to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't like Star Wars. I don't look at it as negatively as you do. I think that one of those three movies is better. Okay. None of the latest three movies are any good. Not one of them. I think that Force Awakens and even The Last Jedi are both better than no um, Attack of the Clones. Never. Never. They're both better than Phantom Menace. No, they're not. No, they're not. Neither one of them touched Darth Maul. No. That's different. That's a different, that's a different discussion. Darth Maul is a better villain then I don't even remember the villain in Force Awakens. Oh, it's, uh, it's uh, what's his name? Adam Driver. Yeah, but what's his name? Know, uh, yeah, the character's name. Such a big character name. See, know. this is what meandering does. You'll, it'll be on your disclaimers when you come on the show. You'll forget simple shit. <laughs> what's his name? Oh, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I, I, really, I don't because I don't care. <laughs> He's got the... The mask. It's such a Darth Vader ripoff. It's terrible. It's freaking terrible. Yeah. Yeah, the, the middle three movies or episodes one, two, and three are just fine. I mean, I did. I went back and I watched them all. I watched them all in sequence. Kylo Ren. Yeah. Okay. And the last three cinematically i guess with big explosions and graphics look better but story it does not match up at all i got my hopes up for the matrix i think they're going to execute it tastefully in light of some of these criticisms that you have for other franchises because it's been 20 years since we got a matrix movie 2004 nearly 20 years i'm shocked they waited that long for this money grab. I don't think it's a money grab. Oh, this is absolutely money grab. No, I think this is a this is an important movie. Like the you know, not a lot of people give The Matrix enough credit. That is kind of my generation's Star Wars. I'll say it. That trilogy is my generation's Star Wars coming of age story. Then you're going to hate this. Stuff why I just telling you. I'm going to take your word for it now. But I look forward to I okay, hate's a strong word. You might be disappointed in what they do with the movie. I'm also looking forward to Dune very much. Because it's directed by my guy from Montreal. And mm, yeah, he's had a clunker or two in here. No, he yes, hasn't. He has. But we'll save that for another episode because I don't want to go I'd four hours go, with you tonight. I'd have to go look at his list of movies with I think there's he's got a clunker in there. Denny Villeneuve has no clunkers. Anyways, 
Thank you for listening to us in the nooks and crannies of this wonderful world that we look forward to visiting and shaking hands with every single one of you. Yeah. Later. <laughs>